Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. A massive round of rugby league concludes, and the run home to the finals continues. Brock, I thought that was a pretty decent round of football. Yeah, it was. It was better than the last few weeks. Um, obviously, we're on the run home now, so teams are starting to make their run. Um, yeah, it was, it was exciting. My team got a win, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, well, I'm the opposite. My team was pretty hopeless on Friday night. Very disappointing, but um, kicking well, things. This is a rarity. It's a rarity, mate. Yeah, well, my I'm, team win. I'm still a lot more upbeat, though, than you, just because I'm not used to losing so often, so the spirits don't drop that low, but... Uh, we go to the fast five to start things off. Highlight, low light, best, worst. Any questions? Uh, what was your highlight of the round besides the Titans getting well, over? Yeah, well, that was probably my main highlight. The fact that we've beaten the Eels now twice um, because you know my best mate, my fiance, they're all Parramatta fans. So um, it means that Christmas and New Year is going to be great over a few beers reminiscing over the two for two this year. But um, I thought the Knights Dragons game was a cracker. I really enjoyed that on Sunday afternoon. Um, was open. Uh, I like the fact that I thought Newcastle bought a renewed energy. They were they were good, um, but it was good to see the Dragons get back on track as well. It's just a little game of footy, daytime footy. I love it. Yeah, daytime footy is outstanding. I was going to say similar. Mine was the Cowboys Canberra game. Um, in that daylight, it slightly transitioned into night, but there was enough time there for some football to be played. Uh, you know, the, the Raiders obviously made a few errors and let the Cowboys back in, who are just an outstanding football side and. The other one was the Friday night game. Given the conditions, just the feeling between the Roosters and the Bulldogs uh, was a pretty loose game. The Ford Packs went after each other. There were some cracker tries scored, in particular Jennings uh, reliving that grand final moment where we didn't think he'd scored and somehow he pulled it off. And again on Friday night, I thought he bounced it, but the replay, it was as clean as a whistle. So those two games were, were pretty great. And I, I even enjoyed the Sharks-Warriors game. It was a bit ugly, but it was just a grind. It was really good to watch some close games. Um, I was enthralled on the weekend, which has been different the last few weeks with some of these beat-ups. Exactly, exactly right. And, you know, what are we now? We're now almost a month past Origin, so... Yeah, the form line's you know, starting to pick up a bit. Exactly, yeah. And the comps, you know, it's it's pretty open, like that middle middle section of the table, especially with Manly winning, and um, it's going to create some interest, which is good. Yeah. Well, what about your low light? Um, well, the low light's probably... The last few days, we've had we've heard people calling for the shoulder charge to come back. Right? You know, I, I was an expert. I used to crack crack them off when I was playing, and um, when they were legal, I was a big fan of them. But you know, the amount of concussions and what's going on in the NFL and new research, and the fact that um, Ackerman has only passed away, you know, not even a month ago, and yet we've 
we've got people calling for it to be brought back. I think it was pretty insulting to his family, but trying to put that aside, like you can't base your opinion purely on that. I just think that with, with the game's moved past it, I, I think um, there's, there's absolutely no reason why Kane Evans couldn't have done what he did by and slightly wrapping the arms. Yeah. I, you know, I just think we've got to we've got to get past this sort of um, you know dinosaur sort of mentality that you know everything was good back in the old days, and you know the game's going to move forward. There's going to be there's going to be aspects of the game that are present at the moment that in five years' time aren't going to be there. And yeah. You're going to be saying, "Oh, I wish that 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 was brought back," you know. So I just yeah, I think people need to stop, have a think about the big picture um, when they when they before they talk, uh, particularly people who are. Um, within the media and who have got a wide stream following and they influence people's opinions and um, I just thought it was, it was ill-informed and, and not needed. I, now, the Kane Evans thing was good. He sat Sam Cassiano on his bum, but he could have done that by wrapping his arms. Yeah. You know, it, was, it, was, it was... Yeah. You're right, mate. You go. Oh, I was just going to say, it was a fantastic shot, 100%, but yeah, with the... I think the, the Ackerman situation, not uh, deterring from it at all, but no one really heard how that was the initial question. What happened to him? Now, I, I didn't even know until yesterday that they said that that was a well, shoulder he charge. Hit, he, got hit first. he didn't get hit in the head. No, nah, there was the whiplash. But I only found out yesterday because they said that they didn't think the tackle was that bad. But now they've come out yesterday saying that Molo uh, executed a shoulder charge. He obviously got eight weeks. So I, I didn't know until yesterday that that was actually a shoulder charge. I, I was none the wiser. But I think you only got to look at people like Michael Greenfield. His career was ended because of a shoulder charge. I, I don't remember from memory if... Simon Dwyer uh, did his injury from attempting a shoulder charge or, or not. I can't re- quite remember. I, I just remember the sickening look, um, obviously, of him being very wobbly. Um, do you remember if that was from a shoulder charge attempt when he hurt himself? or Which, which one was it, mate? Simon Dwyer. I, I can't remember. Uh, I, I don't... Was, I he, don't was he tackled what? or was he... Yeah, I couldn't remember. He was tackling, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't think it was a, um, it was a shoulder charge. It was, yeah. The other it one, strange one. It was a, his was a strange one. Yeah, the, the only other one that comes to memory. Before, I, when I when I saw Simon Dwyer's one, I thought it was a spinal injury. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't actually a spinal. It was injury. the nerve. The nerve endings kind of just going yeah. a bit wobbly. But yeah, the other one that springs to mind, and I've said this to before, Ben Teo. Ben Teo, when he KO'd Matt Great, which is sickening. Um, at the time, when you initially saw it, you thought it was a ripper hit until they slowed it down, and you just saw all the impact was in the. The, 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 the face and the neck and the way his head had bounced off the floor. Um, so I'm with you. With everything we know now, as much as I love it, like you said, you used to like using it. Um, I never got around to using it too much. I, I was more a fan of the attacking side of the game. But, um, yeah, with, with everything we know now, with all the, the possible lawsuits with a couple of people, like I said, Greenfield, etc., that have suffered from it, Matt Grote, with that, that savage knockout and everything, all the information present to us now, plus this Ackerman situation, there's no possible way that we could see fit to bring it back. As much as I do love the heavy contact, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I, I don't think there's any way we can bring it back knowing what we know now. Exactly right. Exactly. And, you know, you can still hit blokes hard. There can still be personal battles, but just do it cleanly. Wrap your arms. Um, I don't have a problem with the rules that, uh, you know, we currently implement. Yeah. Well, my uh, low light was... I, I really struggled to find one. Like I, I was going to bring up what you brought up, but this was a really good round. So 
I had to rig, dig really deep, and this is more, uh, I suppose, on a level of the Raiders. I was really wanted to see them in the eight, but now they've lost Hodgson for a couple of weeks and Soliola, um, two really good pickups from the Super League, which sometimes doesn't get too much of a rut, but there is some quality players over there. I think that, that really hurts Canberra um, on the way home. They do have a fairly easy draw, but uh, Soliola's been an outstanding pickup, and Josh Hodgson's come, become close to one of their most important players. He's been really underrated this year. So he's Hodgson out, is he? He's going to miss at least two weeks, I reckon, with syndesmosis. Oh, could be wow. long, could be longer. I thought getting getting semi back last week made a huge difference, in particular to the kicking game. But you see how much of an influence Hodgson has around the ruck, and the fact he's kicked, I think, four forty twenties of his own from dummy half. So um, he's invaluable, and Soliola has been fantastic on that edge. He's come back a completely different player from his time in the Super League. Yep, so, agreed. Uh, that hurts. That really, really hurts their chances. Hopefully, they can find a way through. Um, but yeah, they're, they're two big losses. But what about your best? Uh, well, I had a few. I had two teams and two players. The Cowboys down eighteen nil, coming back and winning. Um, and Manly, I, they they hammered the Broncos. They didn't just beat them; they hammered them. Uh, that was by far and away their best performance of the year. And you know whether it's irony or not, that um, or a coincidence that they it happened after Tuvi was sacked. I don't know. Um, but I thought Roger Tuivasa-Sheck was the individual performance of the round. Um, he was ridiculous and a little bit selfish, but I thought Aiden Caesar, you saw last night why he's going to be such a big loss for the Titans. He's, his effect on that side is understated. His effect on that side, for me, I can measure it as, as big an effect on that side as what Scott Prince had at the prime of his career. 100%. Um, and it's pretty yeah, it's sad. Pretty sad, like I said. At least, and I've said this before, at least he's a man of his word. He honoured that contract. He said, even after the DC thing, my parents taught me that when you make a a promise, you stick to it. He stuck to his guns to go to Canberra. It's unfortunate that Cherry Evans uh, obviously couldn't do the same, which left the Titans empty-handed. They could have jumped in, but Neil Henry said himself that we're not like that, I think, having a little shot at Manly, which good on him. He said, we're not going to come back in and try and undercut Canberra. Um, in this situation, but you see him and LG playing together last night, and you th- kind of think what could have been if Daly Cherry Evans and Manly could have just got their dirty air out a little bit earlier and did the Titans a bit of a favour. Yeah, it's, exactly um, right. Un- unfortunate circumstance there. I already heard during the week Don Ferner come out and say that Titans have made inquiries for Sam Williams. They don't want to let him go again. I'm pretty sure Manly would be another club that are interested in Semi. I don't know. Um, his personal feelings or what the situation is there. But I'm sure if Caesar's going there on big money and obviously Austin will be playing there, surely Sam Williams wants to be playing first grade. And I don't think uh, either of those places are a bad option. If you're at Manly, you play next to Cherry Evans um, in a very good back line and you're the stable inference. Or if you go up there, you get to guide things around with the LG. And next year, they're going to have a lot of money, almost $2 million plus, I think, in their salary cap to start rebuilding. So if he wants to join a rebuilding project, Interesting to see how that plays out. But if you ask me now who's available and left on the market, I think Sam Williams, even though he's still contracted, is probably the best pickup uh, one of those two sides could make to find a partner for one of their halves. Yep, agreed. Agreed. But, you know, the Titans, I think, are pretty set on Ash Taylor. But, yeah. you know, what's going, what's going on uh, around uh, behind the scenes? Well, again, he's the other one that's in talks with Manly and the Titans, but the word was Bennett said that we'll let you go as long as you don't go to a you know another Brisbane, uh, a Cowboys or a Titans side. So the word is he's going to the Titans, but it's changed so many times. A couple of weeks ago they said Manly, then it was Titans before that. So 
Um, it's kind of flip-flop both ways. Matty Parcell, the young hooker that Brisbane had, went to Manly, and again, the Titans are interested. So I kind of got the feeling that maybe that was the message they were sending, that we're happy to let you go as long as you don't go to another Queensland side. Yeah. But, um, the kid apparently doesn't want to leave his parents. I don't really see how the Broncos, if they're so well-stocked, could put the gun to his head and say, we're not letting you go to the Titans and, you know... Put force him away from his family. If they have any kind of heart, you think you would let him go regardless of his circumstance. You've got Milford, you've got Hunt, you're very well set there. Um, let him stay in Queensland. Let him go to the Titans if that's where he wants to go. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think if they're, if they're going to let him go, they can't dictate to where. Well, especially not in that circumstance. He's their own player. Surely there's going to be some compassionate there. I know they probably know that he's got a huge future ahead, but if he doesn't want to leave his family and there's an offer to stay um, somewhere up in Queensland, surely that will be the case. And, Either him or Sam, like I said, for either of those clubs as far as getting a partnership, I think they're the two that I'd be looking at. If I was going for a kid, um, you know, Taylor's the, the gun, the kangaroo's number seven, and I think Sam Williams has proved more than a solid first grader in his time at Canberra this year. He's come back a much complete player after the loop he had to take to come back uh, to find himself at the Raiders again. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, my best, I went Manly. I thought that was more the reasons why I had them in my top four at the start of the year. I obviously didn't know that the contract saga and the board and the infighting was all going to proceed when we did our preview. These things we can't foresee, but I watched them on the weekend. That's the side, and that's the reason why I had them in my top four. The halves were brilliant. Brett Stewart was outstanding. Um, the back line was as vicious and as savage as I thought, and that forward pack did what the old forward pack did. They're not the biggest pack in the comp, but when they're on and everyone's got their heads on, manly just dig in for each other, and they just overran the Broncos. So... Um, there's a slim chance and they've got a really tough run home but it's a bit of what could have been for me when I look at it because that's the side that I had in my top four yeah yeah they were um, they were very good very good as I said I had them in my best so I can't add much more to that mate I, they should have been top four but they've had a lot of obviously oh, well, off-field issues and injuries so. everything that's happened especially to Tuvian the handling of this whole situation has just been disgraceful in my eyes but um, they, they blame him on results. I blame them. They, they torched their own season before it got going from their mismanagement and poor handling. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's just poor form. If you want to go individual, um, I'd have to say James Tedesco was absolutely outstanding. Jared Maria Hargraves was another one I thought was brilliant. And the other one's Benji Marshall. He was a circus act the other day. That was Benji circa 2005. That was awesome. Yeah, it was. He was great, mate. He was very, very good. Um, his first half probably wasn't that great, but nah. the second half, he was uh, sensational. He shook off the cobwebs, but uh, the worst, I think this is obviously quite easy for me, it was Melbourne. Uh, they were underwhelming for a, a two points. We seemed to struggle at Leichhardt, but they scored too early. They had a lot of the running. They were winning the middle. They had a couple of line breaks and just seemed to think it was all going to happen. And then for the next 60 minutes, a young Tiger side, they, they rolled us in the middle. We made errors. We gave away penalties. Um, we, we just weren't there for the next 60, and the Tigers were brilliant. Yep, that was uh, that was my worst as well. The storm they switched off, um, and it, it's going to be a costly loss, I think. Oh, top, um, top four is gone now because of that. Top four is out of the question. Yeah, the other the other little one that annoyed me was players running at referees. Yeah. nothing gets on my nerve more than that. You know, ridiculous. Greg Bird last night, um, he was really, really, really bad, really bad running at um, Henry Perrinara, and. It's just not a good look for the game. They, you know, unless you're the captain, go away. And even still, there's no way for a captain to approach a referee. No. 
particularly in the, in the week we've had, you know, with, with a lot of chat around referees and the way that they should be respected. And uh, he's a fantastic referee, I must say. To me, most weeks when I watch him, he's clear, he's concise. There was a few situations there, even the the one where you couldn't quite see the ball getting on the ground, he just explained it. He didn't muddle around or fumble his words. He said, look, mate, I've got a touch judge. He's a metre away. He made this decision. It went upstairs. They have to overturn it. Guess what? They can't. But that's that's what's happened. So move on. Let it go. Yep, exactly. Exactly. He didn't fumble, like I said, fumble or bumble or try to satisfy like some of the other refs did. He put it black and white. He was respectful. He still has that empathy as he was a player. Uh, I think a lot of the games I watch him, he's in control. Why being empathetic at the same time uh, being a former player? He's probably close to the best referee, I think, in the NRL. Yeah, I said, mate, I said it two years ago. He's, he's by far and away the one um, that I, I'd rather... I'd like to watch. He's the only one that I sort of don't cringe at yeah. or that I think doesn't really, um, you know, it just doesn't doesn't talk at the players. Like he said, he, he tends to um, hold a little bit of respect. respect. Yeah, I, I like the way he referees, mate. Really good. Mm, I'm with you. Um, questions? Have you got anything? No, well, I thought we'll leave it to the fan forum. I thought most of them had... Uh, they'd nail it. So I've done a bit of research into some of the questions too. So Yeah, well, what we're going to do, we're going to jump from the Fast Five, do our reviews, and then we've got a heap of fan forum questions that have been drummed up today. So we're going to do them, um, obviously, after the reviews, before we head to Mr. Gossip. Hopefully he's not on some kind of bender this week or uh, too flat out. We make contact with him and see if he's still alive, not laying in a pallet of grog somewhere. Uh, kicking things off Friday night, the Sydney Roosters 38-28 over the Dogs. This was a fantastic game of football, and just a strange Friday night, but a great game to watch. 22-0. It was just all the Roosters. Uh, massive swing of possession early on. They dominated yardage. They won the middle, posted some points, and then all of a sudden it just went the opposite way. And we've seen this with the Dogs when they get a glutton of possession. They got a dominant amount of the football. They got six penalties in a row, and they just took control. Even that shoulder charge, which was a big moment, in the end was costly because it marched them down the field, and the Bulldogs really made a habit especially Moses and Bayev, picking on that new left-hand edge of Elliot and Ferguson. Well, they did. Exactly right. Um, it was an interesting game because it was it was really patchy. Like the Roosters were really, really good. Um, and then the Bulldogs, uh, to their credit, down 22-0, they had every, every right to... Yeah, just know, fold. Up and, uh, they didn't. They, they showed probably more starts than what I thought they had in them. I, I sort of turned it over to cricket. Um, at, at one point there, thinking, well, this this game's over, but yeah, um, it wasn't. Uh, and they came back and made a real crack of it, and were probably unlucky not to win in the end. They they had their chances, um, but yeah, it was a, it was probably the best or highest quality game of football I've seen, uh, at least probably the Origin. That's for sure. Um, you know, thinking off the top of my head, I can't really think of another one that's uh, been up to that level. Um, I expected the Broncos Manly game to be up to it, but. Broncos are well off the pace, but yeah, uh, yeah. The Roosters, the, I think the Roosters are still probably only playing their best forty for fifty minutes in matches, so they're going to have to gradually increase that and pick that up. But um, I think the Bulldogs can take some positive signs out of it, but it still is a loss for them, um, and they're in a position now where they, they have to start stringing some wins together. And they do have a harder run, um, like a like, like the Manly, so that they've got a decent decent run on the way home. They're going to play the Broncos this week. I think they're still going to play South, so. They're realistically going to have to a minimum win three of their last five, and they've got a tough draw. 
exactly. I think the exactly. one of the other games off the top of my head, I think they've got the Warriors over here, which is definitely winnable. But you saw it again, like we said, when they when they stick to their identity, which is their big boppers playing to the middle and they hold the football. When they got a glutton of possession and played the power game, they they look so good off the back of it. Moses and Boy is just a genius. The two times they got rolling through the middle, he found space on the edges straight away. Uh, Brent Morris was smart enough to link up with his brother on that edge that we're talking about, where Elliot's now joined with Ferguson, a new combo. They made some fresh incisions there, but second half, it was just there for someone to take control. And Jared Warrior Hargroves and Boyd Cordner threw both hands up, in particular Jared, but Cordner was awesome. Um, Ferguson scored a try that was just ridiculously strong and powerful. And Jennings off that pierce kick just recreated that moment from the grand final. That was a ripper um, of a try. But like you said, dog show glimpses. The Roosters definitely need to learn to play for 80, but um, great game of football. And Roger Tuivas to shake your highlight on another 300-plus metre game. The bloke's a freak. He's a dead-set freak, and the Warriors are getting a hell of a player. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you, you, they're talking about the price tag. Mate, if uh, Tompkins was no, worth what well, he was worth, Sheck's exactly worth that in spades. Yeah. And the other one for me, I, I don't know what you think. I think Maloney's had a really good year. Well, he 100% he has. And last year he... He's getting kicked a little struggled. bit. But uh, this year, no, he's, he's going really well. Well, there's still kind of people, uh, you know, mulling over his form, but I don't see it. I think he's been the, the more steady out of him and Pierce. that's for sure. He's been outstanding. Um, again, Friday night, chipped in with a couple of tries, goal-kicking on point, and uh, Mitchell Pierce, massive 200 games already for such a young player. That's a huge achievement. But this week, they've got Newcastle away... Um, I'm sure Newcastle will show some resistance again, but I, I see the Roosters probably doing a number on them, or you'd, you'd like to think they would. And the Bulldogs, like I said, doesn't get any easier. They've got to go away to play the Broncos. So the Broncos will definitely be looking for a bit of a bounce back after last week. But the other Friday night game, the Tigers 34-16 to over Melbourne. Down 10-0 early. It was all a storm. Cronk controlling things. Munster was popping up left, right, and center. Um, a couple of early shifts. They just got Corabetti one-on-one, powered his way through. But it, it was just 20 minutes of Melbourne. Then they just seemed to switch off. And the, the Tigers come to the fore. They won the middle of the field. James Tedesco, I said it before, I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit he deserves compared to Dugan, Moylan, etc. He's a freak, that bloke. That try he scored around the outside of Marika Corabetti was ridiculous. It was. Absolutely. Um, look, I... I found it, again, it was a game that I was almost going to turn off because I thought, well, you know, I've watched the cricket, I've come back. Mind you, the cricket wasn't much better, but I sort of flicked it over and then Melbourne, you know, they looked like they were just going to roll through the Tigers, but um, they just, they tended to play sideline to sideline, which is rare. From You rarely see that out of Melbourne, particularly when uh, Conk um, and, and Green have been so, so good at directing that side around. Um, I thought it was probably one of Smith's uh, poorest games of the year, uh, it, and Leichhardt Oval is just a hoodoo ground for the Storm. They they really struggle there historically. Um, but look, I, I thought the Tigers. The thing that frustrates me about the Tigers, and I've got a lot of mates as Tigers fans, they're sort of saying, "Well, it's easy to win now because the season's over." Yeah. You know, they they needed to produce this when the pressure was on. So uh, look, I'd, I'd like to see them finish the year well. Uh, it was good to see them win. Um, for Aaron Woods and his 100th uh, and it you know, may well be the last game at Leichhardt NRL game anyway for a while because uh, the council's obviously renegotiating 
what it's going to cost the NRL to hire the ground. And, yeah, well, um, they're talking so they may only have two games there next year at best. Yeah, oh, which which I can understand. You know that that's work for the Bulldogs at Belmore. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it was a strange one. I, I, I want to see the Tigers, and I've said this all year. I want to see them be more consistent. Like I, I, I think I had them in my eight, um, or at least near near the eight, and because I expected that that sort of form, but unfortunately they've only produced it in flushes this year. You know they beat South. Um, they they could have easily beaten South. Uh, in, in the first first round of games when they played them. Yeah, they blew that um, one against the Bulldogs early yeah, on as well. Exactly, yeah. They led they led that game by 16 or 18 points. So they, they've definitely had their chances at the time. They just haven't been able to deliver when they're under pressure. Yeah, I just... The other thing as well, I know the pressure's off, but again, they come in with this particular structure. Um, he's got a pair of halves that have played their whole childhood together. Tedesco's obviously flourished, but I think they've really struggled... Um, to come under such a structured bit of attack and now that the pressure was off and things quite weren't going how they wanted once the two halves in Moses and Brooks went and talked to him and said look we want to take a little more responsibility and play um, a little bit more off the cuff I think they've looked more dangerous the last few weeks in particular Mitchell Moses Mitchell Moses may get dominated defensively but in attack the last few weeks he's been a real threat yep he has been Um... so I, I think Taylor going forward um, yeah, the cap situation's a bit awkward. They made a couple of low-key signings yesterday, adding to their depth. Jesse Parahi, uh, the Australian Sevens player for the last couple of years. Obviously, Michael Cheekham, former teammate from Canberra. He's going from Manly over to there. Um, and there was one other name off the top of my head right now. I'm trying to remember. It'll probably come back to me. But they made a couple of uh, you know, couple of depth-like signings. Um, but in general, I look at them going forward. This is the team they've got. I think he needs to come to a compromise. That there's a certain amount of structure, but you also need to look at what you've got. And with Tedesco, Brooks, Moses, Simona, these kind of guys, he's going to have to find a balance because they're not a team that you can turn into a Melbourne-style robot. They need to lay a platform and, and be able to play a little bit of heads up because those guys, they're too small. Um, they've, they've got too much talent, too much skill just to be to be leashed like that. So he's going to have to find a balance. Exactly. Exactly right. But, uh, yeah, congratulations, Aaron Woods, only 24 years old, played for New South Wales, Australia, his 100th game. Uh, I thought Kevin Aguama was good in the centres, Moses, but Tedesco, like we said, he was the highlight of the night. But Melbourne um, pretty much blew their chance there for a top-four game. But this week, mate, it's me versus you. We'll have to watch this one together. Is this a, a Sunday game, or, I think, maybe? Yeah, you won't, you won't see me on Sunday, buddy, unless you're coming down to Bondi. Oh, that's probably not happening. <laughs> I'll tell you what, because I'll be on a rampage. I've been off the off the beers for eight weeks, training my backside off. Um, city to surf this weekend, so well, we've been the opposite. I trained my backside off for a couple of months, and then it's been on a bend of the last month. So yeah, well, it's probably... a big week, so it'll be a big couple of weeks for me after this. So yeah, I might put I might put I might put five of the ten kilos I've lost back on. So. Good times. Well, it's me versus you this weekend. It is the storm at home to the Titans. The Tigers they go away to Canberra, who lost a couple of players. So this is possibly another result for them um, if they really dig in. But Canberra, they're hanging in the balance. They're still right there on the edge. A couple of losses, but they're going to need to start winning games now if they want to really have a chance. And they've got a pretty good run home. But Saturday kicked off with the Warriors at home to the Sharks. The Sharkies digging out seventh win in their last eight uh, games, um, 18-14. And what an amazing run. They were none from four at the start of the year, dead last. After 12 rounds, they were 14th. And now they're one win away from the top four and they've won seven of their last eight. What a turnaround. Oh, crazy, isn't it? I mean, 
And I, I can still I can still hear uh, Paul Gallen, his words ringing in my ears uh, after four rounds or whatever. Though, he was sort of saying, you know, we might miss the eight because we've lost a couple of these games by um, a bee's penis. And, you know, they they haven't. They're, they've won some tough games. You know, realistically, if they won those bloody games at the start of the year, they'd be in the top four. Yeah. You know, unbelievable. I thought I thought the Warriors were okay, um, but yeah, they just just can't close out a game. It's frustrating. It is very frustrating uh, looking at their side of things. But ten nil in the first half, New Zealand had all the football. It was seventy thirty possession, massive, yeah, massive, insane, massive. Huh? I, I expected them to sort of do a better job with that sort of lead and. But it just seems like they get in that fight like that last twenty minutes of games, and they just get lost. Now I've got to give a huge rap to the defence of the Sharks because the only two tries they conceded were off grubber kicks. Um, that was that was huge. I, I still know the attack stutters a little bit, but I said it the other week. Once they got Lewis back, who's unfortunately out this week. Once they had Lewis with Bird on the right, and then on the left you got Wade Graham helping out on the halves. They've got a little more variation to their attack. They're still. Uh, obviously not a point-scoring machine, but I, I think there's enough there, particularly with the way they like to play through the middle and, and the way they defend, even without the Fafitas and Lewis this week. They just showed that their system works regardless, um, you know, sometimes with the troops, and they're, they're finding a better balance. So, you know, Holmes finds his way over the line there naturally. Robson steers the ship around. They stick to their grind. They know their craft, and they're just ruthless as far as their defense is concerned. They give you absolutely nothing, and um, they won this game purely off the back of their defense. Second half, when... Things evened out. Holmes' individual brilliance grabbed him a double, and Ricky Latelli scored a pretty easy try near the end. But uh, they won that game purely off toughness and grit. That that was a really, really good performance and a tough road trip. Exactly, and as you said, a tough road trip, especially travelling over there. Uh, it's yeah, not easy, not an easy place to go, particularly with how desperate the Warriors are. Um, and now the burners really are on the Warriors. You know, I said it out of Origin. A lot of people. Again, oh, I can't see him missing the eight. Well, I said that. This is the time of the year where people fall in love with them. This is the time of the year where they, you know, they let people down. So obviously the Sean Johnson injury has caused some issues there, but Lola here is a, a more than capable player. Uh, they've got to come up with, you know, a win in the next two weeks um, to give themselves at least a chance going to that final fortnight of the comp. Yeah, I just I thought, I thought Lola here played a pretty good game, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't see that as really as an excuse because I think Lola here is going okay. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, again, they, they had so much ball. They had an absolutely glutton of possession. So it, it's on them. They're, they're really teetering right now. And this weekend, they've got to play the Dragons over there. And for some reason, the Dragons have a really good record in New Zealand. So this is a danger game for them, much like the Sharks. The Sharks have won their last three in New Zealand. So um, yeah. it's going to be a tough ask for them. But... I don't. Did you see the the end there? I'm a bit fifty fifty. Did you think that Mannering lost that ball? I thought it got raked out. Oh, I thought he, I thought it was raked out, but I thought it went forward. Because I know he kind of uh, rolled over it, but that front angle, uh, I think it was Bakuya maybe had the hand on the football. I honestly, when when he picked it up, I wouldn't have had a qualm if they blew that a try. I honestly thought for a well, moment. I think, again, we're going to have this conversation. That but it was so quick. And it would be a try. The decision was so quick, I was surprised. I, I looked at it and I honestly thought he raked it backwards. So uh, yeah, I, I thought he raked it. I thought the rake was backwards, but then I thought that Mannering sort of he didn't complain. Over it he didn't complain. 
But um, yeah, I looked at it at the time and I thought, I'm surprised. He, not that he'd blow up at the ref, but I, I, after looking at it, I kind of thought, man, if they give this, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm really not going to be surprised. But the, the Sharks, in all honesty, they deserved it. Uh, moving forward, if they could just spruik up a little bit more points-wise, maybe find that. Um, their defense is certainly going to do a job for them. They're going to give hell. And you've got to remember, they've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Roosters. They've beaten all the top sides, the Sharks. So. They have the capability. Can they do it during a final series? I don't know. That's a very tough ask, but I tell you what, um, even I laughed a little bit. MG the last few years has been big on them. This year he said top four, and I was quite surprised. But you know what? There's a high possibility right now. They, they, they're in the hunt there with South to steal that fourth spot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see it happening. But, mm. yeah, he's, he's not far from from being right, the big man. Mm. Well, South's got a tough run, but so do the Sharks. I'm pretty sure they've got to play Melbourne next week, but this week things start off there at home, which is a big plus, but they've got to play the Cowboys. So big ass there. The yeah. Warriors, as we said, they've got to play the Dragons. They've got a bad record at home against the Dragons. So um, a tough ask for them again. But Saturday, the Cowboys speaking to them, 32-24 over the Canberra Raiders, 18-0 down early on. It was a Jack White masterclass. He scored one himself, threw a beautiful cutout pass for Edric Lee, and then went up AFL-style and Mark one for Sia Soliola. Um, it was pretty much a late mistake after dominating the first half, which led to Michael Morgan scoring right on half-time. And second half, um, obviously, you knew they were going to come out firing Canberra. Pretty much let him back in. Um, in particular, David Shillington, he made two errors in two sets that led to two tries. There was one off a bad offload that Tarmow knocked down, and the other one, he just got completely wrong-footed. I can't remember who it was that beat him all ends up, but... They went clean through, and Jonathan Thurston threw that ripper pass between two players. NFL-style accuracy hitting a wide receiver. Um, it was ridiculous. Well, it was, absolutely. Um, again, like the Raiders, they ran away, and they, God, they ran hot there for a period. Uh, and the Cowboys had no answer, but I don't think most teams in the comp would have had an answer for what the Raiders dished up in that period. Uh, but to the Cowboys' credit, they weathered it. They, uh, they got themselves back into the game. And in the end, they ran away with it. Uh, yeah. First and again, brilliant. Um, but for the Raiders, it must be frustrating, especially for the fans, thinking more... The close losses. You know, yeah, we just can't... They can't... Again, I, you know, I said it in our uh, in our call on Saturday, just that the difference between the best sides and the sides that won't make the eight is not, not the fact that they're you're not, not, not as good of a football side. It's just the... the, the period of time that they can maintain a consistent performance during a game and then week to week. You know, like the Roosters at the moment um, are probably showing you and the Cowboys, they're probably playing 50 to 60 minutes and that's why they're, you know, I think the Roosters have now won seven in a row. Uh, the Cowboys obviously have gone on a few long streaks. Um, that's why they're able to just, they're in games, so they're able to win them at the back end. Um, and even here where they were down 18, they still found a way to come back. So, the Raiders, they're still learning that, I think. I can't take anything away from the second half, but losing Hodgson was a big blow. Soliola played with that busted. Of course it was. Yeah. Of course it was. We, we've stated on this show how... He's massive for them. And how, the f- good he's, how good he's been. Yeah, he he's kicked been, another 40-20 from dummy half as well. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. it, it, he almost kicks yeah. it backwards. He stepped out backwards and then he just launched it. It was like a 55 on the fly drop punt. It was brilliant, but... Yeah. Um, you, then again, like I said, I'm not making excuses because they've got a brilliant first-grade capable hooker on the bench in Kurt Baptiste to grab that late uh, try for them, the consolation try. But um, Austin got cleared of his spear tackle with an early guilty plea. Edric Lee only got one weight for that really, really bad trip, which is lucky for him. 
Um, so this week, I, I haven't seen the lineups. Obviously, they're going to come out soon, probably before we, or maybe not before we finish recording, probably when I do gossip later on. But I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, probably Jared Kennedy will get the start. But I want to see Mitch Barnett, the really, really ruthless back row from the New South Wales Cup side, so play first grade this week if Soliola's out. I want to see him make his debut. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Joel Joel Edwards is back playing. And there's probably a couple other guys that have played first grade, but I've watched this kid all year in New South Wales Cup. Uh, you saw him for the first time when we watched that residence game together. He scored another fantastic try. To me, he's got first grade written all over him. Um, I, I want to see this kid play first grade. I think now's a great opportunity. Yep, tend to agree, mate. Um, but yeah, Sammy Williams was solid. Austin, um, you know, not his best night, but he tried hard again, but those couple of errors, and they lost their way in the second half. Another big loss, but the Cowboys, they do it again. And a massive congratulations to your favourite front row on the comp, Matty Scott, 200 games. and um, He had another fantastic game. I think we gave him the one point in our 3-2-1s. Jake Granville had another fantastic game. He got the two and Thurston, as usual. He's absolutely dominating, I'm sure, the Dally M's, and he's already won our player of the year. He's that far ahead now. No one's tracking him down. So um, he can basically crown himself the fifth and last player of the year. But... This week, I love Matty Scott. I love him. Mate, he's a very good front rower. There's, there's a couple of cracker front rowers getting around the competition at the moment. It's good to see the big man uh, reinvented. But he's a bit from the old school Matty Scott. But they've got the Sharkies this week at the Prison Ramondas. That'll be a tough game. Looking forward to watching that one. And Canberra and the Tigers, I reckon we'll see some points there at Canberra. So I'm interested in watching that game as well. But Saturday wrapped up with the Manly Seagulls on the back of Jeff Tuvey getting the pun. There's going to be an investigation. It was his 100th game. Oh. Um, they got a great win for the man, 44-14 to 14 over the Broncos. It was a dead set, one-way bull rush. It was 20-0 in the first half. And like I said, it was it was the manly that I envisioned being in the top four again because 1-7 to seven, um, with a solid rake in Ballon. Cherry Evans forum with their heads clear, with that back line at full health. And the forward pack doing what all manly sides have done in the past, which is punch above their weight and just stick it to the man. Like they, that's, that's the thing about manly over this decade. It hasn't been a massive forward pack, but it's just been an angry, angry little ant in the middle that's willing to work, get over the top of you, dish a little bit out, and, and just put their print on the game. And that was the manly I saw on the weekend. Exactly right. They were, um, it's the first time this year I thought, well... That's manly. They're fit. They're fit, yeah, well, and it just shows you that, you know, you can't, you can't not have your full contingent on the field and expect to get good results. And, and all the and outside. Oh, exactly. I'm filthy at this. They still said about results. They, they've they done this. They did this. Jeff Toovey didn't do this. Jeff Toovey didn't buy Luke Burgess and say, you can't have this player. And today I heard people saying he was too nice doing the Stewart thing when other coaches would have asserted their authority and said, no, nah, we're keeping him. I don't know how you can blame this on him. Penn put it up against him right at the year. So did Joe Kelly when he basically said, you've got no say in recruitments. The Cherry Evans thing happened behind his back. The foreign withdrawal happened behind his back. All this was up against him. He had no say in this situation. They lit so many little fires. They leaked all this stuff to the media. And what happens? The moment this brush fire is all well and clear and he's got control of his football side, they dish out what you would have expected from Manly come round one this year. They absolutely pummeled uh, probably close to the best side in this competition. Look, I don't think he's without blame. I think there's elements there that he would have, he would have, uh, like to change himself. But, oh, 100%. Uh, in the, you know, I can't see why he's got the sack, that's for sure. Yeah, unbelievable. More of this is that, on the board, though, and the way they've handled everything. And now you look at the, 
the contract situation like we talked was disgraceful, but now you hear about the Maddie Ballin thing and no one's sticking up for that. They were trying to pull a deal that he signed. Yeah. So, you know, the way they've handled their business, I'm, I'm quite disappointed. I know it's been a rapture for 10 years, but you get one owner, you think things would be under control and um, I stick by my words. <laughs> stick by my words last week. Bozo Fulton said, we're not looking for a three or a five-year plan. This is six months, turn it around. I don't think they're looking... Uh, the longevity of things here. They've got a couple of good young players. Obviously, the Trebojevic's and Coruscant is coming over, but um, I, I think they need to put a little more thought into this going forward. So uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen next year, but I'm just disappointed to see this. And in particular, the halves now, with the, their heads clear. Foran was healthy, and he was fantastic. I think Cherry Evans' long kicking game is absolutely outstanding. Some of the kicks he put in the other night um, to build pressure. And Jamie Lyon had one of his nights. I think he's had a really quiet year. Some of the things he came up with, that flick pass to Jaboyevic, that banana kick back into play. And that kid, that one-handed pick-up and the runaway, that was ridiculous. There's not many blokes that could swoop through so quick. He can sniff out a try. Oh, isn't he a, uh, he's gonna, he's a star of the future? He, you know, he already is a star, realistically. But Yeah, him and his uh, brother. The Broncos are disappointing, but I was really hoping that they'd turn up and uh, you know show us their, their best, but... Uh, I'll tell you what, though, and I've said this to a few people that have got no idea. Straight away, they're going, oh, they're not going to win the comp. Like, hold on a sec. They've won nine of their last ten. They won all through the origin period. Um, they've been pretty outstanding. This is not a bad time to have a loss. I'd much rather them have a loss now and next week maybe, uh, say, than, you know, come round 25, 26, heading into the finals. I would have been resting players. I said that last week. I would have been rotating yeah. a few more through. And I bet they had a light week probably at training, some of those guys, so... Um, you know, it's it's not a bad time. I'm not taking anything away from it. Neither did Wayne Bennett. He he clearly said that's our worst start of the year, and we didn't take Manly lightly. They just absolutely gave it to us tonight, and they're a good football side. So it doesn't yep. get any easier this week. They've got to play the Bulldogs, who are fighting for their top eight life. But it's at home on a Friday night, um, and then you've got Manly playing South. Same deal. Their finals hopes are on the line. South are pretty much fighting with the Sharks now for that top four spot. We're well entrenched. Within the eight now, they're on 28 points. So um, some really good games coming up this weekend. But Sunday kicked off with that Wild West game that you were talking about, the Dragons, 46-24 to 24 over the Knights, 12-0 early on. Dugan and Rain getting over it. Looked like the Dragons were just going to give them an absolute looping there um, at Jubilee Oval. And then the next, you know, 20 unanswered points. Newcastle were vibrant, um, fantastic line speed. You could see that Denny Badiris went back to basics. They were playing through the ruck. The halves were running the football nice and direct and... Um, it was quite refreshing. The strings were off. They played a little bit. was in front of them. And um, 20 unanswered points to go in 20 to 12 at half time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great first half of football. Yeah, it was. It was, it was crazy because it, the Dragons sort of got in front and then the Knights just went on this crazy run. Um, I don't know whether the Dragons were maybe guilty of thinking it was going to be... Um, yeah, a bit of a walkover. You know, 50-point bash-up, yeah. But they did well to get the momentum back, the Dragons, because it's hard once you sort of put the queue in a rack and not, I'm not saying they put the queue in the rack but to think it's going to be easy and switch off and then you know switch yourself back on again isn't an easy thing to do yeah well they come out second half like you said obviously put their heads back on and, and Newcastle just with it under the pressure Benji and Widop finally joined back up they, they were so good during that winning run working together whereas at the start of the, when they were struggling like we said they they were working against each other but the first time in six or seven weeks you really seen them come back together the football was beautiful like you say they don't have any points. When those two combine, there's points and their edges. Like the hole that Frizzell ran for his try was beautiful. Benji Marshall's circus try with a fake dummy and the, 
the over the head a la MG pass from Mitchell Rohn for him to get was a cracker and um, Joshy Dugan obviously chipped in again with another massive game but they blew him away in the second half uh, they, they really come home strong and Newcastle, they tried hard, but again, they kind of ran out of energy. There was a couple of kids on debut. It's been a really, really tough year for them, but it was also refreshing to see Danny Badiris having a good time in the coach's box. I know he's only got the job for the rest of the season. He doesn't want to do it long term, but it's very rare you see a coach having a good time. Yeah, well, it's easy to do that after one match, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I can't see myself sitting up there smiling like that. Nah, well, well I've, I've, copped, I've copped a roasting in one of the fan forum questions, I think. Well, one I'm of just a gen, generally angry person. Yeah, well, fair enough. But one of my questions, I suppose, I was going to pose: Would you be willing to take on the Walker's style of system? They're talking about Nathan Brown being the favourite or Jeff TV. Do you think a club? And we've spoken about this a couple of weeks ago. Do you think a club would have the patience or would hand the reins to somebody to bring a system like this into the NRL? Well. We we ran a not a, not the same as the Walkers, but we ran a similar open style coaching style when we when we had our teams together. You know, like I, I can see the benefit in it, but there's got to be there's got to be total club buying because and even roster. I think the way they've signed, you've also got to think over the next year or two. Uh, the, the way they've played up there, they don't have a lot of money, but they, they talk about you know levels of fitness. You need a certain amount of skill if you're going to be passing a lot of football around the field as well. So. Um, you'd, yep. you'd have to at least allow, I think, the Walkers three years, two years just for squad turnover and getting the system in place. But, yeah, three years minimum, I think, full-time, and you'd have to really buy in. Well, and, and no coach gets that. No, no uh, way. 12 months is enough no, to get you hung. Look at look at Jason Taylor. Like, I mean, all he's said all year is I'm putting systems in place or whatever. And he's got no salary he, cap, and they're still dream, dream. He's un- he, Well, he, um, What I'm saying, he's under pressure. Yeah. You know? And it's unfair pressure, but um, yeah, there's not much to take from that one. Newcastle, obviously, the spirit picked up a few debuts. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, the former under-20s captain, and the late bloomer in the New South Wales residence fullback from last year, from 2014, Nathan Ross on the wing there. Uh, but yeah, things still getting hard. Next year's not much better. They've got Hodkinson on the way, but there's not a whole lot. There's a lot of outgoing players. Some of their kids that have re-signed, they're probably still not really NRL ready. I think it's going to be a tough year, but... Whoever takes the job next year, it's a rebuilding phase. Same deal to Taylor, implement some systems, and then they're going to have to spend some money. They, need, they really need to get in the open market and refresh that side. So um, they've got yeah. the Roosters at home. That's going to be a tough ask, and the Dragons travel to New Zealand. But the uh, other Sunday game, South Sydney versus Penrith. This was a bit of a bit of a dour game, to be honest, in my eyes, but a lot tighter than what was expected. The Penny Panthers were $6 outsiders, but they were very, very strong. Particularly well, that was their grand final. Oh, 100%. That was their season. Um, you know, they're now going to have to win five straight and hope that... Yeah, results you know, for and against. against. Exactly. So you're sort of... You're now relying on other elements, which is not ideal. And I think there's only three teams this year that have gone on a streak of more than five wins in a row. Yeah. Um, so history or statistics tell you that it's going to be difficult for them. 100%. Well, Seguiaro finally looked healthy. He crashed in nice and early there. Uh, Cartwright outstanding off the bench just a powerful try brought his offloads but um, they wrestled control back later in the half Johnny Sutton hit a nice hole and then that drop for some reason three pressure passes near the line I couldn't believe it and they dropped it in front of Walker and you saw the ability of him playing number six in the lower grades he threw a beautiful cutout pass to Johnston um, they go in 12 all half time obviously the difference in the end of this game was a penalty goal and 
Uh, Walker grabbed another late try there, and Brown scored late. Uh, could it be a penalty try? You could definitely make an argument that Aaron Gray led with a knee. Um, it should have been. No doubt it should have been. Uh, he hit him with his knees, flush. Uh, you're not allowed to do it. I... I... Ivan Cleary wasn't happy after the game and I can totally understand his sentiment people are going to say well you're a Penrith so it's easy to say but um, it's just simple to me knees in the head um, or knees in the chest or or whatever in the act of scoring no brainer it should have been a penalty yeah and I think uh, Seattle missed that goal so it probably would have been 2018 but there was a real chance even at the end there um, they had the ball, but Yo threw a, a mully grabber pass to Wunga Blake. I know a lot of people have been laying the boot into him, but the pass to him was a shocker. Um, but that, that was yeah. really their, their last moment right there, that desperation pass. I think it was only the second tackle. It was not the time to throw that ball. Uh, that pretty much put the cue no, in. They, they, they rushed that set. They had South on the... On the uh, oh, they're on the back foot. They, they let them off the hook. Big time. South's uh, very flat, still not convinced. Penrith's super tough, and uh, obviously a debut for a kid I've called. In the cup, uh, Leilani Latu, I thought he had a pretty good game. Uh, Bulldogs Jr., obviously been a Penrith for a couple of years and a very big human. Big man. He's no. a big man. He's a definitely a big man. But uh, South, they get Manly this week. I'm back at Manly for this game. From what I've seen from South, I reckon Manly might rush up and, and do a bit of a number on them. And Penrith, it's the battle of the West. Uh, a bit of a struggle here for both sides. But Parramatta versus the Panthers, I think the Pennies are definitely going to wrestle back if they play anything like they did um, this week. A victory, but early in the year... That was a game they'd live to regret, or I thought they might live to regret when they obviously went down um, to Parramatta in a, in a night where they got bull rushed early on and then they lost Matty Moylan. So uh, I'm sure they'll be keen for a bit of revenge. Well, I think they hit Darwin as well, so it'll be interesting to see who adapts the conditions because it'll be pretty hot up there, you think? 100%. I think Penrith will be keen for some revenge. But the, the round wrapped up with your mob against the Eels, the Titans, 24-14, to and they finally got back on the W list. And uh, I suppose that's what happens when you get both your halves back and have some control, but they went in first half down 10-4. It was pretty scrappy, but the Eels, you can just see there's absolutely no creativity. Um, Luke Kelly, I'm sorry, you try hard, but you're definitely not a first grader. Joseph Paulo's not a first grade half. I think they've got second tier pressures, which is why they can't play Bo Henry and Ryan Madison, who was their junior kangaroo. Other people calling for Docker Clay, but I don't think they realise he's going to Penrith, so they're definitely not going to award him um, a debut game at this point, but for me, Timmy Manor was outstanding. Um, he always it always does the, just the little stuff. You know what you're going to get. Nathan Peets was pretty good, and uh, Big Paulo was good as well, along with Ma'u. But the Titans, their halves were outstanding. LG, he got that early try, but particularly the second half, and they needed to wrestle things back. Aiden Caesar, some of the kicks he put in, the, the pressure he built, the repeat sets, they were awesome. Yeah, he's class, mate. He's class. And, um, you know, he, um, he was fantastic. I, it, was, it was a pretty ordinary game, let's face it. It wasn't overly exciting. Um, but the Titans, they just had to get the job done, really, and restore some pride. He was um, the difference between you know, the two. Of course he was. You put him on the Eels, and the Eels win comfortably. So I think the Eels are missing Corey Norman. He's their best player by far, in my opinion. They miss Will Hoppawato as well, obviously. But the influence that Norman has over that side in terms of the output and points and pressure, and he's phenomenal, Corey Norman. I, you know... I would have loved to have seen the Titans go after him at some stage uh, this year because it was mooted at, at one stage there. Yeah, they were going after him, but, um, yeah, I think they're, they're missing him big time. Yeah, well, the Eels have another little drama on the hands. Apparently that contract for Hopwade was lodged, signed, sealed, delivered. Now they're trying to move the goalposts on that, which is um, out of their control. So they're going to have to probably 
from what I'm reading, paid compensation for him to go somewhere else because all teams are locked up or they're going to have to shed players. So another blunder uh, by the Parramatta club, which is this is just a weekly occurrence. So nothing new yeah. there. But uh, Nene McDonald, I thought he's been a brilliant pickup since he got to the Titans. And Roberts, again, that solo try he scored was outstanding. Well, he's he's a freak. He's been a freak all year. Um, he just and you can see the difference when he when you get a half in the team um, in what he can do. You know, he, people have sort of said, "Oh, he's been quiet recently," but he hasn't really had a half there to give him quality ball. Nah, no um, way. Last night, last night when he got it, by Christ, he uh, he showed what he can do, and he, he showed what he can do all year. He's nice. he's been a great bike person. The fact that we've been able to re-sign him has been a blessing because we haven't had much luck on that front. But, yeah. um, you know, to lock him up for an extended period of time, if he can just stay bathed off the field, um, he's going to be an asset to the club, that's for sure. Well, him and also, again, the Roosters have a, a wealth of young talent. They've got a loaded first-grade side, so it's good that they were able to grab Nene McDonald because he's a first-grader all over. I think you've got your long-term centres uh, in him and Roberts, so... Good performance by them. Uh, the Eels, like we said, they got Penrith this week. The Titans, your mob versus my mob, the Storm. That should be a bit of a tough game. But um, Fast Five, we've done the review. So now, some fan forum questions for the first time year, and we've got an absolute bucket load. So starting things off um, with those fan forum questions, I went to Twitter, wrote these ones down. We've got a fair few from Gav from at Ernie Oz. First of all, he says uh, about a rough estimate on the salary cap by position for an NRL player, say what you'd pay for, um, for example, a fullback if he was an international and origin player or if he was a solid established first grader or if he was a young up-and-comer? Well, I had I, I, I split him up into a few categories. So for an up-and-comer, I think it depends on the development system, the club, the structure of the deal, the length, etc., etc. However... It can, vary, it can vary from 80 to 500k. Yeah. You know, there'll be some young players out there on, on an absolute mint, some that aren't. Um, but just in general, I had up-and-comers from 80 to 500. It's just a normal squad player from 80 to 200. Um, a first grader, uh, 200 to 750. Uh, again, depending on the club. Yeah, third parties, etc., etc. Um Exactly, an origin player, usually from about 600 to a million, I would have thought. Um, and then you're elite, obviously, 1 million to probably 1.25 million yeah, um, he, on the current Southern Cup. And going off the way he read it, like purely for a fullback, I'm similar to you. There's some young clubs out there that will give um, an 18-year-old ridiculous money very early on. We've seen guys that come through a lot quicker or show that potential um, compared to, like, say, if you're a Canberra compared to a Roosters or have got third parties or other ways to appease their juniors or managers or players compared to a first grader. And then again, origin players. If you're a gun half or a gun international or origin halfback or, or, or fullback, you're definitely looking plus 500s easily, pushing towards that 7, 8 kind of mark and a million if you're an elite like uh, a Thurst and a Cronk, etc., etc. But Well, it's um, also supply and demand. It depends on... Yeah, well, Harbs right now, you need to look at like Trent Hodkinson. He's, he's had a rough year and... He just still signed a very big deal, regardless of his circumstances. And Moses and Bayer, they're talking of Moses and Bayer getting upwards of seven hundred thousand dollars, and he's only playing his first real year in first grade. So, yeah. Uh, and then Sheck, look at—he's obviously an absolute gem, but eight hundred thousand dollars, and he's basically twenty-one years old. He's been in grade for a couple of years. Well, eight hundred thousand, I would deem as cheap for Sheck. One hundred percent. 
he, he's up near that top on tier current, very on early. Current form. On current form. But yeah, I think the the murkiest area on that question, Gav, is definitely those younger kids. Because like Brock said, I think it depends where you are. Um, depends whether he's already in your first grade side, whether you've got depth, the third parties, the kind of setup you've got at your club. They could be on anywhere from the minimum wage of eighty um, to say a hundred. They could be on two fifty. They could be on an absolute mint. You, you never know. Um, it, it all varies on situation. But bracketing it off, pretty much what Brock said would be a, a decent estimate. Um, Gav also chucked another one here. You. Would have just as good an idea, but he chucked in for me. Louis, um, lower grade standouts you've seen this year. I think from New South Wales Cup, I haven't got to call every single team. I, I kind of only get um, particular teams each week. I've seen a lot of Mounties. I've seen the Bears a couple of times, a fair bit of the Tigers and Manly. Uh, but of all the games I've seen, I think the, the real standout for me, Mitch Barnett from Mounties, the Raiders junior, he's an outstanding back row. Um, Zane Musgrove, Brock saw him on the weekend with me. He's a 19-year-old front row for the Bears. He's in the south system. He's a really good prop. Manoa um, Cherrington, he's been playing first grade this year. He, he was really good in cup. Now he's deservedly playing first grade. And The other one for me is Jaden Hodges. I hear Manly trying to push him out. But whenever I've seen him in New South Wales Cup, he's an absolute live boy. He's their best player by a country mile. But um, under 20s as well, Brock, is there anyone that stood out to you this year? Not, not in particular. Two, they've got the Cowboys got two big front rollers. One of them that we've signed at Penrith. Um, the v- name escapes me. Viliami uh, Kikau. Yeah, he's uh, an absolute monster. Um, Tyron May for for us in the twenties, um, absolute standout. Sione Katoa is going to be another one. Um, Brent Naden, they're probably the three. Um, if you had to push me uh, on a few, but. Um, yeah, there's plenty out there. There's yeah. plenty out, that's for sure. Well, I was going to say, Gav, uh, I, I don't know who you support. Maybe if you send back through a team that you follow, I can tell you, um, unless I don't cover it here. But I'm only focused on some of the top sides in that comp, being the Broncos, being the Cowboys, being the Panthers. Um, you know, particularly Brock mentioned Viliami Kikau going to Penrith next year, big Fijian. He scored 15, 16 tries as a front row. He's a powerhouse. Um, the other kid they've got on the wing there, Gideon Geller-Mosby, he's a machine, most tackle breaks, scored the most tries in the NYC. He's a fantastic uh, young player. And they've got a kid who played finally this week. They signed him, Callum Ponga. You've probably all seen the videos of him playing uh, rugby union. He almost passed away. He had a really bad brain infection. I wondered why I didn't see him this year. He finally debuted last week off the bench. He scored a try and kicked a couple of goals in their massive bloodbath of Canberra 78-12. to Keep your eyes on him. That kid, he's an absolute standout. Callum Pongia, only 17 years old. But at Penrith, I'm with Brock. Tyron May, he's got first grade written all over him. I'm a big fan of Sione Katoa. He's been playing some cup. And I also like the back rower, um, Corey Harawira. He was playing some six. He played some fullback and now back row. Very skillful, very strong. Um, he, just a big build. Very, uh, very, like having worked closely with a lot of these boys, very intelligent too, Corey. He's... Um... He's smart, he's accountable, um, and he's looking to constantly improve. So he's been he's been one who's uh, I've been impressed with for sure this year. Yeah, Brisbane, I'm pretty sure everyone knows. They're loaded. You've seen Alfie Hengawi. Um, Jaden Beryl was in the Australian side. Alex Barr, Jordan Drew's already played first grade. Ashley Taylor. I could keep going, but the real standout of that lot, um, if you ask me, is Jai Arrow. He's a lockback rower. He's an absolute workhorse. I think the kid is first grade written all over him. Um, Terrell Fuimano, he's, he's a bit of a one-out at Parramatta. They're not a great side, but a fantastic back row. The yeah, he was... Um, I had him at Harold Matthews, Penrith Jr., so... 
Uh, he can play. He yeah. can play. He's only slight. Um, He's very tough, though. Uh, yeah. Definitely play, mate. The other one I left out of the Cowboys is Cohen Hess. We watched him play 18s Queensland. Keep your eyes on him. A massive back row powerhouse. Uh, Andrew Niamola, the other back row, front row there for them. They've got a gun forward pack. The one that uh, really surprises me for the amount of talent their situation is the Roosters. They're, they're coming fourth. They've been a bit up and down, but much like we've, I've already mentioned, Rona had to leave to get an opportunity. Um, there's multiple players that have had to leave. Nene McDonald had to leave. They've got a, a swag. Latrell Mitchell, I'm pretty sure everyone knows about him now. He's waiting in the wings to take that jersey. Um, you know, Joseph Manu, I think he's the top try scorer, center winger. He's a fantastic young player. And Connor Watson, they, they've tagged him the next Craig Wing. They recently re-signed him, started the year fighting for a spot in the squad. He can play hooker, he can play fullback, he can play 5'8". He's just signed a two-year extension. Um, and just some other randoms from around. Junior Tatola, he's a massive front rower. I saw play for the Tigers in Cup. He's only 18. He's a beast. Obed Carlin, the young Ivorian coast. I'm pretty sure Brock would have seen him in the 20s. He played some Cup. Lachlan Croker, half at Canberra. Um, absolute standout. He's a freak. He'll play first grade. He's so talented. He's out for the rest of the year injured. Tafoa Sim... Uh, I think it was Brendan Sipley, but his real name's Toa Fogart, the Warriors. He's a monster. Joey Stimson's a backer at Melbourne. Addison Demetrio's a gun at Manly. Brian Kelly at Brock's mob at the Titans. He's a gun winger, scored four tries in the New South Wales 20s. And probably the last one I've got here is Renoff Tomolga, massive back rower, stand out for a Bulldog side that's not going too well. Um, I could go on all day, but yeah, that's a fairly comprehensive list um, of probably the top talents. But if you send through your team, Gav, I'd be happy to highlight blokes I think that have got a big future. But Brock, more to you again. Um, at Hather Sports, Chuka. He said, what Super League players would you like to see in the NRL? This is probably something you're more accustomed to. Yeah, I love the Super League. Um, look, for me, I support Leeds. So um, the, the few out of Leeds, Zach Hardiker, um, he could definitely handle it. Fullback, good player. Callum Watkins, uh, he could he could comfortably handle um, the NRL. Kev Sinfield, probably not now, but back in his prime when he won the Golden Boot, um, you know, two or three years ago, uh, he's by far, by far and away the most intelligent um, English player, probably since, uh, you know, your Paul Scullthorpe or your, your Sean Long. Um, and then I'd throw in, there's a few others I threw in, uh, John Wilkin, um, St. Helens, Dan Sargenson, um, who's, who's also good player. quite good. Yeah, Sean O'Loughlin, uh, he's been the Pommy captain. He could easily um, come out here uh, and handle it. Daryl Clark, he won the Man of Steel last year. Uh, he's at Warrington. He could, he could definitely nudge it, especially um, you know with the success of the Canberra rake this year. Yeah, and with a good forward pack, he'd stand out too. If he played in behind, say a bulldog side like Alicia um, against the big, behind a big pack, Daryl Clark would have a field day. Yeah, um, look, he's moved to Warrington this year. His form hasn't been as good at Warrington. Uh, Matty Russell, he was at the Titans. He moved to Warrington. Um, he's out for the rest of the year, but. He was one that I thought the Titans, it was a terrible decision to let him go. And then one one probably uh, old-school footballer, that old Tommy-style cheeky footballer, uh, Danny Bruff, he's at, um, uh, he's at Huddersfield at the Giants. So I, I think he can handle it over here. That's just a short list, um, yeah. obviously. I, I follow the Super League pretty closely. I could rattle on for days about it, but um, there's two, four, six, eight. There's nine there that I think could easily handle it over here and I think 
the standard of the Super League is definitely lifting because we're seeing more uh, English players come out and be a success, which is which is only going to be good for the game. Yeah, well, mine's very similar. Callum Watkins was my highlight, my first one. Melbourne went for him a couple of years ago, pretty much dangled the carrot of playing with the big three uh, for decent money, not huge money, maybe 300 but obviously he's on a good wicket over there. Uh, Ryan Hall, Daryl Clark as well. I had Wilkin, uh, Lachlan, Sargenson, Bruff. Roby was the one I had similar to you when he was a bit younger. Probably not now, uh, but I think James Roby in his heyday would have been fantastic. The one that you didn't have that I've got here, one of them is Johnny Bateman. I just think he's a nutcase. He's very tough. Um, Wigan picked him up, obviously, um, from Bradford, who, who ended up falling down in the division. He's just a rough bloke. I think he'd fit in here. And there's another live wire from the French side, the Catalans, uh, Escaré, the fullback. I'm a big yeah. fan of his. I just don't know whether he could handle over here size-wise. That's probably my... Escaré, he's a gun. The one I probably left out was Liam Farrell. He's a back row for Wigan. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, redheader. He'd go right over here as well. Yeah, I basically got the same as you, Bar Bateman um, and Escaro. But yeah, Bruff's the other one I look at. Bruff's a really old school halfback. He, he plays football. He, he's not running this system. I think he could play over here if he got picked up by a club. And, um, a lot of people ask questions about Richie Myler, who was at Warrington coming over here. I'm not really a big fan of Richie Myler for all the raps that were on him. Um, there was a lot, no. of, a lot of talk that the Sharks were interested. I, I don't really see why. I'd rather stick with what I've got right now if I'm the Sharks. Yeah. But, um, that, well, it's hard to know if you get them over here, to be honest. Like, it, it's really hard, difficult to tell. So. Yeah, well, we've done Gavs, we've done Hatha Sports, so thanks, Chuka, for your question. Uh, Lachlan Bicky, Bickley, sorry, not Bicky. I like me Bickies, though, but Lachlan, uh, a bit more of a personal question. He asked about our playing careers, Boxhead. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember that far back. It's been a while. Yeah, Warrapars brothers. I think I played the Warrapars for a long time—nine years, ten years. Well, that's club football. Obviously, younger. Yeah, brothers um, played there for six years, I think. Um, three competitions, four grand finals there, uh, and then rep stuff. A uh, little bit at the Panthers, a little bit at the Roosters, and a little bit at the Eels, up to Jersey flag level, which is twenties equivalent. So we probably had we had similar similar playing careers. Probably just that you didn't get the. Early junior F experience. Um, I was injured the whole bloody time. Yeah, so that, that, that's the only difference in our playing careers, really. Yeah, well, mine, I, I bounced around a few junior clubs. Obviously, we both played school footy at St. Dom's, which is a really good uh, rugby league school. Yeah, sorry, I should have should have mentioned that. Yeah, we won the arrival live in 03. I was lucky enough to be part of that side. And then uh, 2004, we made the semifinals and we got towed up by some parts um, in that game. But uh, it came through with Jeff Daniela and and Michael Jennings played against Blackdown Pats had basically a first grade side running around that, that yeah, point well, in time similar to us in our age group um, I was a Waratah and then I played for Cambridge Park Panthers so that's where Brad Fittler um, you know Greg Alexander a lot of those guys played some of their junior football and uh, then finished up at Brothers which is linked to our school St. Dom's went there fairly late like Brock said the early junior stuff Matt's ball I missed both of them um, I had knee reconstructions very early as soon as I got healthy, um, got offers, obviously, like Brock said, Flegg, which is basically the equivalent of the 20s, got an offer from Penrith, the Cowboys, and uh, the Raiders also talked a little bit to the Tigers and the Dragons, ended up going to Canberra, um, and again, did both knees multiple times, had a shoulder reconstruction, so basically now the only thing I've got left is a right arm that's half decent, so, um, yeah, school football, um, rival of Cup, uh, loved playing for St. Dom's, fantastic school, loved the place, got a close... Close spot in my heart. Uh, we had Blake Austin on our side, probably not as talented near the back end of my time. We had a new principal who brought more of an AFL 
set up, but we went a lot further than we were expected to. We had a very young side, um, you know, that we overachieved. We made the final that year, and then I think in the Arrival Life Cup, we made the final four and got towed up by a very talented Matraville side that had Adam Reynolds and the like, a lot of future first graders. So, um, yeah, that's about it on my side of things. Probably the only other difference is positions. Brock, you played more on the edge, obviously. Um, yeah, not really. I was more well, on the edge when I was younger. Um, when you and transitioned? When played at lock and in the middle, yeah. Yeah, I kind of had a, a, a weird run. I, I played in a, a side earlier on, obviously, when you're growing up with your friends, where I got played at, you know, front row and back row, but basically just did what I wanted, but you do the kicking and whatnot. And then when I went to Brothers, started off on an edge and kind of found my way more into the middle, just looking for the football. And uh, by the time I was finishing up at Canberra before the injuries, was more playing out on an edge again. So, um, yeah, injuries took both of us down. Um, I'm a professional jibber now, and Brock's obviously a pretty good coach, so good times. Yeah, well, I finished up in 06, and, uh, well, 06, I didn't really actually play in 06. I'd, I'd, I'd done the pre-season with power, and then my shoulder just gave way. Eventually, I went back and had a... had a uh, Rod Reddy actually told me, in front of me in the gym there one day at Parramatta, and said, look, mate, we're not... We don't see you as a first grader. Your shoulders are no good. Um, at the time, I wanted to punch his head in, but yeah. um, look, I respected his honesty. Uh, Matty Cameron was also there at that point in time as well. They just said to me, "Look, your shoulder um, is at a point where you know we've got players here of equal ability, and you've got a bum shoulder. So basically, we're not we're not interested. Um, if you if you do stay here, you're probably going to you know you're obviously going to play fleet, but majority of it is going to be at Peter Club. So I decided to go back and have a run around at Brothers and sure enough the first game back there my shoulder blew out um, so you know that was that was the end of that but yeah and then that, that year I sort of uh, still obviously stayed involved at the club and then um, was was approached um, by Chris Gretsch who was the president at the time um, and then yeah the, the next year I coached the 9-1s and uh, the rest is history we sort of made our way through the grade there and then um, now, obviously, uh, or for the last five, five or six years, been at the Panthers as well. So, yeah, I sort of haven't had much time out of footy, but one mm. one transitioned into the other for me. But that doesn't happen for a lot of other people, I suppose. They find it difficult to find something to do once they once they finish up. But yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't coaching um, because I still love the game and still want to have something to do with it. But yeah, yeah, I'm not, not sure what I'd be doing. Yeah, mine's much similar. Um... Sat down, Dave Hamilton. Uh, they said some scans through, especially my left now. I had about five or six operations. The cartilage is fit. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Absolutely shredded, so I was basically close to bone. They were said that you're definitely not going to play first grade or go much further. They got in Michael Cheekham, obviously playing first grade now, Weedy Baker, playing some New South Wales Cup. Um, I went back when I got healthy to play some club footy, see how I'd go, and um, of all the luck, I'd never hurt my right leg. I ended up fracturing all four bones, doing my ACL, tearing the bloody um, lateral collateral ligament, um, tore the tendons out of the back of my knee. So, yeah, that was a good time. And then I got, 
had a shoulder issue for a couple of years, went and thought I'd get that checked out. I needed a full reco on my bicep reattach, so, um, yeah. And obviously, did a little bit of coaching like Brock, nowhere near to the standard, did 12s, 13s, helped him out, but now trying to find my way more and this kind of stuff and studying journalism now and doing some commentating on the weekend for um, at the 81st minute with Radio Hub and Steel Sports, so um, I'll probably stick to this side of things. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the place to be. Mm. Benny Storer, uh, one of your favourites. He says the Tigers' base at Liverpool, is that the right move? Um, should they have gone to Campbelltown instead? Well, it's the right move in the fact that that's where the money and that's where the facility um, space is open. I mean, they, they need a high-performance centre. They're, very, they're, they're not far away from Penrith in terms of the amount of juniors that they can pump through there. Well, that's a, that's a flourishing um, area too. Yeah, the difficult aspect for the, for the Tigers and Balmain, in, uh, sorry, West in particular, well, both clubs, is the fact that they've got to they've got to amalgamate two clubs together in terms of development, which is difficult. Um, it'd be like Penrith and Parramatta having to work together to to, uh, to fill a first grade side. It just it'd be difficult, and that's basically what's happening there. Um, but look, I think Liverpool Liverpool's a good area, like it's accessible by train, by by bus, by uh, you know. It's fairly fairly easy. It's not it's not halfway between Balmain and West. It's close, um, or Balmain and Campbelltown, I should say. But uh, look, it's it's going to be accessible. Uh, I, I see it only as a positive move. I, I don't think the you know the the issue isn't isn't uh, the location. The issue is is getting it. You've got to get a centre of high performance, and uh, they've got one now, which is going to really. Um, Put them in good stead for the future. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm with you. Pretty much. I'm, I'm not actually. I'm obviously pretty close with Matty Cameron. Or I was at least when he was at Penrith, and I haven't had a lot of contact with him this year, obviously because we're we're both fairly busy. But it was something I know that um, he was big on pushing this centre for excellence at um, Penrith. That now uh, we've moved dirt on, obviously, and uh, he he uh, was was as involved in. in uh, in, in stuff, even as, as, as down to the finer details of uh, the floor plans and stuff for it. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was pulling a few strings in that regard because I know he moved there with the mindset that it was going to be a long-term thing for him, him and um, Jason Taylor. They, they've obviously got a good relationship dating back to Parramatta. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's got something to do with it. Um, I don't know that for sure, but um, if he did, it wouldn't, wouldn't uh, surprise me. All right. Well, we've got a heap to get through, so I think we might need to punch this up a notch. My simple answer for that one is the money side of things. The money's there. It's a flourishing area. It's growing. Uh, one side's got money. One side doesn't. If it helps the bank balance and the check and gets them in the positive and gets them this centre of excellence, because at the moment they train at a gym in Campbelltown and they've got an absolute dinosaur gym um, at Leichhardt, well, then power to them. They, they need those facilities. So flourishing area, more juniors, more exposure, better setup, all for it. Timmy Whitaker. How does Wonga Blake get a rep game after seven jerseys and how does he keep getting selected each week? Even with injuries, he's a liability. I can hear him yelling that from the hill. Yeah. <laughs> so can I. Timmy. Timmy Witt. Uh, look, what? I think it's just a, it's a, it's a depth thing at Penrith at the moment. Um, I'm not sure what sort of position we're in in terms of our salary cap, second tier salary cap, but you got to think that there'd be pressure there with how many players we've used. Well, if he was very, very good in New South Wales Cup 20s, and this is as harsh as it's been, especially defensively. I think it, the experience have been valuable. Another, another off season, I think it'd be better for the run. Uh, physically, I think he's a beast. Look, I think um, 
Ivan would definitely be disappointed with some of the performances he's put in over the last few weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. Let's not hide from that. Um, a couple of crucial drop balls at, at crucial stages in games, but I guess you get that with younger players. Um, he's also, he's floated around a little bit from centre to wing and um, different edges as well, so that, that can that can have an influence Yeah. Um, when you're trying to settle down as a first grader. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he finishes the year off and also... Um, you know, how he comes comes out of a, a full preseason with the first grade, obviously. All right. Connor with, that, with that experience of, of being an NRL player, you know, it's easy to have a big preseason when you haven't played an NRL game, but now knowing what it takes to um, be dominant at that level, uh, I think, you know, a lot, you see a lot of players come back differently. Well, they also need stability. There's been a million changes, so I think that'll help. The season's worth it. He was good in cup. He was good in 20s. He's very young. Um, don't give up hope yet. Agree about the rep jersey. Uh, but yeah, as far as first grade experience goes, what he's got this year will yeah, be. Yeah, the rep jersey stuff is a tough one because I mean they're dictated to by who they can pick, aren't they? Really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, at that stage, at that stage, it was Brad Fittler picked know, him. him. Basically, that's my guess to that. He picked all the baby Panthers. There's a bit of an attachment there. Um, they get some say. Pick Campbell Gillard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, I wouldn't look too much into it. I think next year's the big year. Second year's where you want to see the improvement. But Connor Quirk says, is there a way to create some form of NRL Netflix to eliminate the dreaded off-season? I really think it helped the game spread to other parts of the world. If they could go back and watch classic matches, follow careers of the greats of the game, perhaps even do a deal with other leagues like the American one to have their game shown on it and give more game exposure. Uh, that no one... Brainer. No brainer. Well, they need the content. That's a simple thing. So they'd probably need to have that, a couple more shows on it, maybe like link up with Fox, drag in the 360s and etc. and things like that, the Triple MRL stuff, podcasts like ours, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you want some content, I'm willing to talk 24 hours a day. Um, you, you could do the American League, you could do the Super League games, the lower league games over there. Uh, there's plenty of things they could do, but yeah, I think at this point in time, it's hard to compare ourselves to America because that's such a dominant market. Numbers are in absolute bulk, e.g. the NBA, the NFL, etc., but um, yeah, I'd love some off-season content as well. Yeah, I just think the the answer to all this is having a Fox channel, like Fox Footy, and an NRL version. And yeah. there it is. There's, there's your problem solved. So. And they said about... Um, uh, Justin White commented on his comment saying about a hard knock style show in the off-season would be good to see. Uh, I probably agree. Well, that. David Tapp sort of did that, didn't he, with NRL Summertime, but it was more interviews, not yeah, so much training. Pretty boring, to be honest, unfortunately. I wasn't a big fan. Yeah. Didn't give you too much other than one or two players, and um, they don't really let you inside. That's one thing over here. We're not as open as the Americans set up, but um, that, that's more we're of not, We're not even as open as the AFL. The AFL do a lot of data sharing and things like that, but um, the NRL, yeah, it's a little bit um, secret, secret, but most clubs, I, I tend to think, do the same thing because they all come out and play a similar style of football. Yeah. Paul... Aguiros, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that. Will Peter Doust hire another bus or two on Club Election Day for all the pensioners to vote him back in again? Um, obviously, a little bit of ill feeling towards Doust. Um, I think Mary McGregor's done a good job. Um, they're turning things around. So there, Peter Mullins helping out with recruitment. The Doust the thing seems to have lost a bit of traction, but uh, yeah, maybe some fans are still a little bit disappointed. Yeah, well, it's hard to comment on that. Um... But I don't know. They, they won this weekend, so uh, yeah. I, 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 the Peter Dow stuff tends to only come up when they're when they're getting beat. Um, 
Mm. Well, it's hard to comment. We don't know too much about that. We spoke a little bit in the year. Uh, I'd have to refresh myself one of the earlier podcasts when we dug up some information. But, um, yeah, if there's ill feeling there, hopefully they can make the finals. But Mary McGregor's doing a good job. But one for yeah, you. I think they will make the finals. Jay Orchard, uh, should the Titans be doing more to entice fans to get to the games? Having such an empty stadium while watching the games is just a bad look. I reckon we can answer this one quite simply. Winning uh, makes a massive difference. Draw cards, Cherry Evans would have been one. Uh, and just the overall circumstance they're in right now. Uh, if they were doing better, I'm sure the crowds would be a lot better. But you've also got to come back what we've said a million times. TV is just absolutely brilliant. And on a Monday night, the crowd's always going to be low. But TV wins. We've seen the numbers go down for all clubs. So I don't know how you fix it. It's much easier to sit home, watch three games on Super Saturday, buy a box of beer, and it costs you nothing compared to the grind of travelling, getting into the ground, buying further, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think we just go in circles with that. Yeah. Yeah, similar similar reasons. And, um, you know, I, I myself, I've, I've probably even gone a little bit more your way this year because... I'm doing so much footy during the week. I, the last thing I really want is to go and attend a game that's not a Penrith game, obviously, because um, I have to beat the majority of them. Um, is to go and, wa- and watch another game. I, I couldn't think of anything worse to do, uh, just because I want to be at home and I want to um, obviously spend time with my partner because I don't I don't get to see her a lot. But you know, I can I can sit here on a Saturday and watch all three games rather than go to one um, and and. You know, especially if it's a Saturday game, if you go on a Saturday, you've got to leave before... Yeah, if it's a middle game, you've got to leave before the first game finishes. You then get home halfway through the, se- uh, the third game. It basically ruins all three games for you. Well, it depends where you are. Maybe if you're at Penrith, but if you're in ANZ and trying to get out, you're not getting back for the third game. Exactly. And you're not watching the you first know, game either. You record it, but then it's a late night. and oh, It's easier just to stay at home, to be honest all right, let's pick the pace up here. Brad Davis has hashtag Wanga Blake. I don't know if that's an inside joke or not, but uh, we've already covered that off. Uh, Will Marchington, who did you guys support growing up and how come you support Storm of Titans nowadays? I think we've gone over this a few times. Uh, you more a fan of Brad Fittler? More oh, so. Oh, pretty, I was a Penrith fan, and then when he left to go to the Roosters, um, I supported the Roosters, and then when they... When Freddie retired, obviously, I didn't have an affinity with the Roosters at the club. It was more um, that Fittler was my favourite player. Um, also followed Manly a little bit because I, I love Ben Mendes. But, um, yeah, I don't... I just... I started supporting the Titans basically because they're a new side. I like Scotty Prince. Um, I, you know, I, I like the idea of a new club and all that sort of stuff. But now, I, you know, I obviously support the Titans and I, I love the Panthers because I work there, but find it hard to really follow anyone closely because as a coach you're only a year away from being punted so you know if, if I got punted at the end of this year or the end of next year or, or whenever you know my my affinity with the Panthers um, in a professional sense obviously would be over and therefore you, you still have that uh, you know and then your, your feeling and your support would be for the team who, ne- who next employed you I guess I think that's the hard thing um, in my profession so um, but I always have a soft spot, definitely for the Titans, that's for sure. And I want to see them do well. Yeah, well, mine's pretty simple. I was only a, a very, very young, um, and we're, we don't have a family kind of team. A lot of people are born into a side. Our old man loves football, but he doesn't really support anybody. We're, we're born and raised in Penrith, but he'll tell you I used to bet uh, with old Pete Murphy, one of uh, the other football kids' dads on the hill, every time we went to a Penrith game about Penrith losing, something happened to Penrith. I don't know where that come from. I think I'm just an evil bastard. 
Uh, but I was a massive fan of Nikau, Glenn Lazarus, etc. Obviously, about that time, I was seven years old when they were coming into the comp. Um, so as you get a little bit older, you have a bit of development or uh, get a bit of a bond to something. So Melbourne was formed when I was uh, seven, eight years old, and uh, it just went from there. Um, they had success early on. Obviously, had a bit of a stiff period there for about six years where they always just crept in the eight and got eliminated and then come along Craig Bellamy and uh, lightning struck. But love Scotty Hill, love Robbie Ross, Marcus Byer. I thought he was an absolute outstanding footballer. But um, any early memories in between bloody being, you know, four, five, six, seven, I was very, very young. It was probably the green machine. Canberra still had a fairly decent side at that time. Melbourne Inga, Laurie Daly, etc. And Manly, like Brock said, um, obviously Beaver Menzies, Cliffy Lyons. But, yeah, we don't really have a family side. So mine was just a... Uh, a general link growing up. When I got to seven or eight, Melbourne come along. I love Lazarus, love Nikau, and uh, yeah, that's just been my team ever since then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Maddie, very support early on Melbourne. They were um, very, very likable. Yeah, Matthew Johnston, Brisbane Broncos, seven-day turnaround for the majority of the season is unjust and unfair. Thoughts? Well, you have to take this one up very simply with the scheduling and the TV deal. TV deal dictates that they want a Brisbane game most Fridays. Um, they're a big side, they're a one-town team, they draw a big crowd, so um, that's the way yeah, it is. Okay. That, that's the money, that's pretty much as simple as you can put it. Is it unfair? Yeah, it probably is unfair, but the money says otherwise. So if we want the money... Yeah, but whatever, whatever we, uh, as a game, allow TV to dictate what we're doing, then that's, you're going to get that. Yeah, there's going to have to be, there has to be give and take between the two, but they're always going to want a Queensland game, usually, if they're going to have two games on Friday. Yeah. Um, and they're, right. the, they're the big draw well, card, they're the original... Yeah, there's no reason why that can't be an away game either, you know, like no. or the Titans. I, 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 think, I think more to the point of, of that is that the Titans aren't really an attractive brand at the moment. Channel 9 don't want to have the Titans on, so um, it's easy for them just to put the Broncos on. I think if the Titans were, you know, uh, top eight chances or, or whatever, they, you know, you'd probably find that they, Brisbane wouldn't get that sort of turnaround every week because they'd have viable options in terms of putting another Queensland side on telly. Yeah, well, they'd have to, like I said. If, if you did look back to, you know, 2010, or probably 2009, 2010, you'd probably find that a lot of the games were, and I know they were, though, a lot of Titans had a lot of Friday games. Yeah. I think it's, the issue with Brisbane is more, not so much the Broncos, it's more the Titans. Yeah, well, even the Cowboys set up, but in general, they've got a massive market up there. They're the big horse, they get massive crowds, they're a draw card, they're an original, they're a powerhouse. Uh, the TV deal wants a a Queensland game and they're the big rig up there so that's generally why they get all the Friday games exactly um, Grant Levy these are a few random ones would you rather step on a piece of Lego barefoot every day for a year or get one single paper cut between each of your toes tread on what a piece of Lego for what every day of the year or get one paper cut between each of your toes just once yeah or every day of the year I'll take the Lego once every day no well is a, is a paper cut just once off? Nah, but yeah, between every single toe, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the paper cut. Nah, I'll take the Lego. Lego. Lego hurts, but that's once a day. I'm willing better, to deal with that. Better than Lego. Oh, it's better than Lego. And he also said, would you rather have legs as long as your fingers or fingers as long as your legs? Legs as long as your fingers or fingers as long as your legs? Yeah, I'll take fingers as long as my legs. Fingers as long as my legs. Nah, I'll probably go the other way. Legs as long as my fingers. How are you supposed to get around? You have to walk around your hands. You need a skateboard or something. Uh, I'd be like, um, yeah, I watched that inside story on John Curtis. He came to he came to St Dom's while I was at school. He's a he's a bloke um, who had his had his legs chopped off. 
um, yeah, I'd be like him on my skateboard. Phil... He, 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 t- he tends to get around all right, and he's pretty happy in life, so... Fair enough. I'll take the this route. Uh, Phil Bazak, why are people so unkind? Uh, why are people so unkind? Just because they are, Phil, it's the world we live in, unfortunately. There's some, yeah. there's some cruel people, so... Um, good yeah, times. Luke Tomblin's the salary cap seems to be as confusing and as easy to exploit as politicians' entitlements. Is there a way to simplify and add transparency? Third parties in particular. Yes, the NRL, the NRL controls the books. The NRL uh, allocates the money. Uh, simple as that. Yeah, I'm with you there. And he also said, "Sounds like Brock is the most miserable man alive. Always angry and disappointed with something. Does this have anything to do with being a Titan supporter or just a general coach's trait?" Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. You know me better than uh, better than most of the listeners. I don't, I don't think I'm miserable. Not uh, miserable. I, I think you might be on a down most weeks when the Titans are lost. That's all. Oh, I won't have to, won't have to talk about it on here. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I, yeah, they're rubbish. Yeah. And, I don't know. Well, I think maybe the last maybe the last month I've been a little bit miserable. I think I've been happier today. But um, feel free to. Feel free to rate me every week on my mood and general ang- uh, anger. There you go, Luke. From now on, every week, uh, send a rating through of what you think Brock's mood is. Today, I think he's been pretty upbeat. I'll give him a seven. Yeah. Uh, Justin Justin Todd, uh, former schoolmate from St. Dom's, do you think a loan system like they have in the Super League and the soccer would work in the NRL? Uh, 100%. I've said before, I think this and a mid-year transfer are two things that could definitely be looked at. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, it could work very, very well, particularly if you're a side like the Roosters and you've got talent you want playing first grade. Uh, they've got plenty to loan out, and there's a couple other clubs that probably have got um, a player in a position where they've been stuck behind somebody where they could potentially be playing in the NRL. Uh, again, I apologise for pronunciations. M-E-H-A-U, so I don't know if that's Mihal, Mihal, uh, Philip. NRL getting rid of the... Mihal, as uh, one of our friends Spook would say. NRL, getting rid of the 20s comp. What do you think are the pros and cons of this move? Great podcast. Gets me through the week. Every, uh, we, uh, gets me through work every Tuesday night. I apologize I can't pronounce your name properly. Um, I've said this before. Obviously, the cons, I think the standards dropped. A lot of the best 20s players move up to cup now because they need that development with men. Um, uh, I think the pros of the 20s is that's what got us Conrad Hurrell, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, etc. It's a draw card in itself to get young players to want to play rugby league. Just from it's such a unique competition. Basically, yeah. Look, they're not getting rid of her. It's just going back to state based. Yeah, um, they're trying to cut travel and they're trying to cut out cut costs. Um, right, exactly. Um, look, am I disappointed in it? Obviously, it put them on a on a big stage and. But I, I tend to think that there's there's space for both to be on TV. Um, I, I don't see why uh, you couldn't you couldn't televise the twenties as a state based competition and the uh, the reserve grade. I, I just think you know for me it's not this 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 isn't a big change for me because at Penrith our uh, reserve grade has been the number two side for as, well, as long as Gus has been there as long as I've had any involvement in the twenties. So really, we're living we're living the future now, anyway. So um, you know, the the only difference is that New South Wales Cup obviously play in a state based competition, and we play in a, in a national competition. Um, and occasionally, we have to travel in a state. Otherwise, uh, there's no real difference. Um, uh, so yeah, there's no real difference at Penrith, um, but obviously there there will be once this change is made at some clubs. Um, the the thing for me is I. I 
I think the impact is going to be more for the Queensland side because the New South Wales side doesn't matter because Penrith 20s play at Penrith, you know, but Brisbane's 20s won't then be at Brisbane, I don't think. I don't think they can run a... They can't run a 20s competition uh, with three teams in Queensland. So that'll be more my question, how that's going to work. Yeah, well, like I said, mine was pretty straightforward. I just think it's a massive draw card in itself, but we obviously need to bring back Premier League, etc., a real reserve grade comp, particularly for the development of forwards. Um, and obviously, yeah, at the moment, it's a bit of a downer, purely because the best players are going up to play against men. So it definitely needs to be rejuked. Sandy Hunter, one of your favourites, one of our favourites on the show here. Do you think the bottom teams get more penalties against them playing against the top teams? Broncos have considered the least amount of penalties this year. I think not all teams are that well disciplined every game, or just a coincidence. Well, the Roosters are the most one of the most penalised sides in the competition, so yeah. I think it depends on their philosophy. I don't think referees have a preconceived idea in terms of penalty counts. I do think they've got a preconceived idea in terms of some players. I think they do. Yeah, definitely. Um, Look, I think the game in general is probably over-refereed, it's probably over-coached, it's probably over-structured. So I think it's just a reflection on the way the game's played or the way the game um, is at the moment. So I don't know. You'd have to go through and... uh, It's probably drawing a long bow. You'd have have to go through and and see what the penalties were given for and do a real study on it to be able to draw a line or any conclusion. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, it's tough. Tough to really know. Well, the Roosters might well, yardstick yeah. for pretty much what you said in that circumstance when everyone someone mentions this, but I think uh, you mainly find some of the better teams with the better players get away with more generally because they're better in their craft. Like, the Raiders probably caught more penalties than, um, say, a Brisbane or a Cowboys or whatnot because they're probably not as polished in the ruck or some of those little finer points. But um, at well, times... Yeah, and at times you do definitely get the feeling. I think sometimes maybe... Um, you feel like there are penalties that do go the way purely because of a team, but yeah. yeah. But I also know as a coach, like there would have been times last year where we would have played teams, or you know, when I, whenever I've coached t- different teams at different times, that you've said to the boys, look, I don't care how many penalties we give away, just stop them from doing this. It might be fast play the ball, it might be yeah. standing in tackles, well, it might be whatever, whatever it is. The roosters are that side. Penalty play exactly. It just. It depends on who you're playing as well and what your tactics are in terms of trying to win the game. Yeah, the Roosters uh, the Roosters will back their defence to hold you out on their line and they'll give away a penalty killing a ruck if that's going to be a quick ruck. They'll give away a penalty and start fresh to not let you get six points rather than let you get an easy try for quick play the ball. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Honestly, I'd rather not concede a try and concede a penalty than concede a try without instead of conceding a penalty. It's just no brown. Yeah. Uh, Chris Crow, do you think too many players get rep picks slash awards on reputation rather than actual form and do good players outside the real top sides get overlooked? Uh, if, you want to, if you want to talk about awards, and I, I suppose we talked about that last week. We'll, we'll, we'll see who the hooker nominations are this year, but like last year, Jamie Lyon got nominated for Centre of the Year. I've got no idea how that happened. Um, occasionally, some people get picked purely on rep and some go underappreciated. In the rep situation, I think a lot of the time there's combinations in loyalty. We've seen that with the Australian side, seen that with Queensland, um, and they got the job done again. So you, you could argue both ways on that occasion, in my opinion, sometimes. But, yeah, sometimes I think there, there may be a bit of a bias. I think if, if uh, in general, yes, uh, because I, I thought the form player of the competition was Blake Austin at origin time. He didn't get picked. 
Hodkinson got picked, and he, at the time he was in horrendous form. So I think in, in certain scenarios, yes, I would agree. But again, you look at the way that Queensland were hammered in, in Melbourne, Melbourne is stuck true and they perform like they did in Brisbane. So I guess your reputation in your form is only as good as your last game as yeah. well. So, uh, yeah, it, it is difficult. I think, obviously, the Australian kangaroos got found out because they basically keep picking the same side. I think they're the side that probably frustrates me more. Yeah, 100%. Uh, just, we got bashed by the Kiwis just because we're pretty arrogant in terms of our selections. Um, I think Queensland Queensland have probably got every right to be arrogant about their selections because they've got the runs on the board. Um, yeah, New South Wales tend to make a lot of changes because we, we haven't won a lot of games. So, again, I, I think it all comes down to results and who's available. Yep, I'm with you. Um, and, yeah, the awards thing, I think, is quite obvious. I think, like I said, Jamie Lyon got a nomination last year. I don't think he was in the best four centres. Had a couple other names. Um, things like that, though. Fairly subjective. I think some people don't look too far in it. They do work off reputations. But awards compared to rep teams, I think people are not too worried about awards as compared to a rep jersey. But um, Jaden, Evo, Morel, Warriors team, uh, they seem to struggle with the penalty count in all their games. Is it possible to check stats on this? Could be just the way they give silly penalties away, but would be good to know. Well, I think, again, that's just a matter of discipline and little bits and pieces, getting caught up in the rock, being lazy, etc., etc. Um, I can't really think off the top of my head watching a Warriors game if they get towed up too much in the penalties. I'd probably have to look a little bit closer myself. Uh, mate, to be honest, I don't even take much note of penalty counts. Well, I think the Roosters is the only one that stick out to me, but that's that's a very obvious one. They, they don't care. Like I said, if they're on their 10, they'll concede four penalties on their line rather than let you score, which is good. That's that's a great attitude. They back themselves. Um, yeah, but then again, that's Bulls gold as well. Like You're looking at it going, oh, they're the most penalised team in the comp. Yeah, 100%. Doesn't really matter because no, nah, they're not. They're holding they're you out. Not, they're the best defensive side of the competition, so it's null and void. They're, they're doing that on purpose. Exactly. Yeah, I would have to look a little bit more into that, Jaden. Um, Adam Holgate. I think they should bring in the captain's challenge, like in the NYC, instead of reviewing every try in the game. So frustrating. Just make a decision, and if either team is unhappy, they can challenge it. If they get it correct, keep the challenge. Would make the game way more interesting and flow way better. Thoughts. Uh, I like it from a fan's perspective. I don't like it from a coach's perspective. No. Uh, and I think you need more than one challenge if you're going to do the NRL. Yeah, well, and I also think now you look at they're looking at this bunker system. So uh, I, the bunker system, I think, will eliminate a lot of our video refereeing issues that we have at the moment with how long it takes and how often they go up and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's going to fix that. Um, but. I do like I do like the element of a captain's challenge or a coach's challenge uh, in the fact that it, it'd be it's good for fans it, and, it, and it tends to take that pressure off the referee. They can make a decision if the if the players aren't happy with it, then they can challenge it. Um, and then the blame or the fan anguish often then falls on the players, not the referees. I think that's a smart smart way to go about it. I think you'll find that there'll be less criticism of our referees if we if we brought that into place. Um, because people will be saying, oh, geez, why'd you challenge that? Or what a genius he is for challenging that. You won't really think about the decision itself. So, yeah. Uh, I do like the idea of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't mind the idea of it, but I think you'd need to have more than one challenge, maybe two. Um, but I'm probably more of a fan of the next thing we've got here. Jordan Palmer, thoughts on the shot clock rule? I think this is simple. I think it's a fantastic idea. There's more time with the ball in play um, if we're speeding up dropouts and scrums. So I think that one's a no brainer. That's a positive. Well, there's one thing. 
thing that I would say is that they're going to find other ways to slow the game down. Yeah, well, they've already found a way around the concussion rule by getting a free interchange by someone hurts their leg, they tap their head and say he's concussed. Yeah, I, I just think you're going to you're just moving the goalpost really. It pushed moving the problem um, elsewhere. So uh, yeah, I, hard hard to say. I, I don't like it myself. Um, I'm not a massive fan of it just because I I think the game's fast enough as is, and I think they need the rest and they're slowing the scrums because they are so fatigued. Uh, I, I think particularly with dropping the interchanges back to eight, that's going to have an effect. Um, look, I'm, I'm uh, probably pressing the pause button on this one. I'll, I'll probably just want to see it in action, and then I'll make a judgment on it. Yeah, we won't. Uh, to the effect it's going to have until it's actually in place. So, in theory, I understand why they're doing it because the, the scrums and penalties and stuff. There is a lot of time taken um, in between. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what impact it does have. Yeah, should teams uh, Dave Crellin uh, should teams carry an 18th man to cover for game-ending injuries or concussions? E.g., Kyle Turner, Robert Jennings. We've, yes. covered, we've covered this one before, but in the event of foul play, um, if someone gets injured, I think that's natural attrition. But, yeah, if you lease an arm out, like knocking out Caden Snowden on the weekend, he stays in for the whole game. There should be an 18th man you can activate for your bench in that situation. Well, it should be 18th man or either, either uh, the person who has caused the injury stays off for as long as the person who has been injured. If it's foul play, though. That's right. If I tackle you fair and square and you twist your knee, that's not my fault. He's got it here exactly. for injury, exactly. injuries or concussion. But I'm only for I'm only for foul play. Yes, I'm with you. Exactly, 100%. Concussion, yeah, you could maybe go that way. But again, that's if it's legal and it's natural attrition in the game, I don't think you can just be chucking subs in for free. Uh, but yeah, only really for me for foul play. Justin Maroon. Is there another sport in the world that continually changes the rules like rugby league does? Every year we have changes, and a lot of them don't work, yet we are stuck with them. Well, the NFL... Yeah, they bring uh, in rules. But there seem to be... They make new changes all the time. Um, Cricket, I think... Cricket, you obviously see there. Video technology has changed several times. Snicko, Hotspot. So they implement a lot of changes. But I think, on the most part, the game stays the same. The NFL ones are well accepted. The NFL is probably the only real sport that we could um, draw a line through because they're the only they're the only sport similar to us. Got one format like cricket's got twenty twenty uh, one day internationals, obviously, which are different forms. Um, us in the NFL are the, the only real ones that have got just the one the one stock standard game, um, and really the NFL is similar in that it's only really there's only really one or two major competitions of it around the world, whereas it's hard for soccer to make widespread changes because there's so many different competitions. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's different. It's uh, it definitely... It's both a positive and a negative. I mean, it, it's good in the fact that we can change our game and try and perfect it, but it's also bad in that, that if we get it wrong, um, at times we can be criticised for making too many changes. Yep. Uh, Brad Davis, uh, South's protected by the referees and the NRL. <laughs> Different interpretation the again, which is inconsistent. Just, just the wrong call. Yeah, just that, that happens. All right, last um, one. We're finally there. Arthur, and again, I apologise. I'm not the best at pronunciating. Uh, Mazumian, it's M-A-Z-I-O-U-M-I-N. Apologies again. 
Panthers are always injury-prone. Why is this the case? Seems to have been this way for at least a decade. Also, as coach, I've been clear under pressure. So much for Gus's five-year plan. Well, uh, well I'd, I'd answer that like that's sort of a three-part question. Firstly, uh, in terms of injuries... They're not soft tissue. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll draw this line. In, in the 20s, we haven't had any injuries. Yeah. Uh, New South Wales Cup, again, has been pretty injury-free. NRL has popped it. Now, for the most part, these teams are all undertaking the same training programs, the same weight programs, or at least very similar... They're under the watch of the same doctor, same physio, same medical staff in the broader sense. So to draw a line through uh, through that, that, that's irrelevant. A lot of the injuries that Penrith have had are impact injuries as a result of playing rugby league. The high-impact sport, you're going to get injuries. Uh, I think it's just luck in terms of how many you get. Um, in terms of clear you've been under pressure, definitely not. No way. You look at you look at Jeff Toovey um, in terms of the, and Manly. You look at even the Dragons. Like when they've got players out, uh, they struggle. Um, you know, you even look at Melbourne. Look at Melbourne's form during Origin when they missed their big three. I mean, their, their form was probably their worst Origin period in, in, in a long time. Um, look, Penrith have had upwards of 10 to 15 players out on a consistent basis. They've had changes in their key positions. I uh, also think they've had a pretty tough draw. If you have a look at the draw, they've, they've played a lot of top eight teams, and that's no excuse. You've got to beat them to get there anyway. But uh, I think last year they might have had a softer draw than this year, and they might have won a couple of those closer games. I mean, you give them two 50-50 games, they're right on the border of the eight. So uh, Cleary's definitely not under pressure. Gus's five-year plan, I think I think Gus's five-year plan wasn't to win a premiership. No, Gus's well, five-year plan was to make Penrith relevant and to put the right processes and structures in place in order to set the club up for success which mate I'll be honest with you he, he did that in 12 months but they've got the, uh, the number one maintaining them and ensuring that he had the right people in right positions and um, you know whatever happens uh, moving forward Phil Gould could have not done any more uh, than what he has for that club in terms of trying to set it up for success no and the number one uh, thing a lot of good people that he's brought in that would never have even come near the club um, in its previous state, uh, financially, he has done absolute wonders for that place. The way that you, you know, you've got to be out out at the ground, and um, you know, obviously, I'm in the privileged position of being able to see it from the inner sanctum. But and I go to the stadium uh, two to three times a week. But just the changes. I mean, the signage, the merchandise store, the uh, just the different caterers, the different things, the game day aspect of it. He couldn't have done any more. Yeah, well, they're out of debt. They've got the centre of excellence coming across the road. It's an absolute elitist yeah. joint. Everything's on the mend. And number one, the biggest part was fixing up the junior setup. The junior setup is now back to how it should be. They've been in grand finals in the 16s, the 18s, the under 20s has won a comp. They're coming first this year. They're producing players. The under 20s, um, you know, are producing junior rep players. And then the New South Wales Cup side's almost purely a Penrith team this year. They've punched through numbers and they're pushing them through to first grade, which is the number one thing you want if you've got the so, biggest junior nursery. Yeah. People, and this is a Buzz Rothfield thing. Yeah. Uh, people that want to say, you know, the hashtag five-year plan, a lot of them, if you ask them what the five-year plan was, Fix they the wouldn't club. know the answer. Yeah, fix so, the well, club. They wouldn't know the answer. They, they wouldn't know the answer. I think it's just a line, it's a paper line, it's paper talk, um, it's something that they, a few people throw at Gus on Twitter or whatever, but in the end, I think, 
for the amount of hours that are in the day, Gus, Gus, it seems like he works for 25 hours of the day. He's on Twitter constantly. He's on, you know, any a lot of the time I see him just watching 20s training or watching New South Wales Cup training or, you know, he's always doing something and trying to make the place better. So the five-year plan was to make the joint relevant. Uh, for us to make a preliminary final in the NRL last year with the amount of injuries we had, he, he's made that place relevant in, in two year, two to three years. Forget your five years. Um, so, look, I mean, no one's guaranteed a premiership. I mean, look at, you know, you can look at those great Dragon sides, um, the great Roosters sides, uh, even the great Melbourne sides, Manly sides that we've seen in the last 10 to 20 years, Broncos, Raiders, they've all lost grand finals. They've all had seasons which weren't, Ideal. They've all had in injuries. You can't win every year. Um, there's 16 teams which are searching for that competition and searching to be better every day. So it's a tough industry. But um, the controllables, he's definitely sorted out. And, um, the club's in a good spot. Yeah, well, that went a lot longer than I thought it would. I thought you might punch that out 2025. We've gone for 50 minutes, so that's huge. No, it's fine. Uh, we're going to have to try and source some more minutes to try and upload this because the podcast is giant. Uh, but that wraps us up. Thanks all for your questions. Fantastic. We'll do another one of those maybe in a couple of weeks as we draw closer to the finals. But um, hopefully everything was answered to a sufficient level. But that's the reviews of the games. The Fast Five and a huge fan forum now. It's time for Mr. Gossip. We're going to go through the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And back by popular demand and after fan abuse, Mr. Gossip. <laughs> oh, didn't I cop it on Twitter for not being on last week? Who we were doing? But you've jumped off the panther bandwagon. Now let me ask you a question. Uh... <laughs> Has the Titanic officially sunk, or are you still on board? <laughs> I'm definitely still on board. It's, uh, wow, didn't I cop it? But I'm, I'm back this week and uh, got some gossip, so. i just got to highlight it one more time for the fans. We don't get anything for this. This is free. We're just purely football nuts. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's near dinner time right now. Gossip's got to put the mini gossips to bed. Um, you know, I, I've got to maintain some kind of relationship, social life, and also study a uni degree and go to work somehow. This is all on the free, and it's 8 p.m., so cut a bit of slack for the punters. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I love it. Passionate fans, it's great. Yeah, it's outstanding. We had a huge fan forum today. This show is absolutely massive. We're up to an hour and 50 minutes, but starting off with the gossip bag, crack it open. <laughs> all right, mate, we'll start with Big Dave Taylor. Finally gone. Finally gone. Yeah, about bloody time. He's off to the Catalans, and uh, yeah, he's going to be living it up in France. But um, Big Dave Taylor, I don't think he'll be visiting the the French restaurants. He'll be heading down the road to Macca's for a Royale with cheese. Outstanding, mate. Yeah, but we've, we've been talking about it all year, but it's, it's finally a done deal, and I'm sure Titans fans would be happy with that. Waste of talent. No one could do anything with him. Bennett, even Bennett said he was a waste of space. So. Oh, mate, you've gone Brisbane and he couldn't fix him and then he went to South and they couldn't get anything out of him and then he goes to the Gold Coast. He had three massive contracts. He had multiple opportunities to play for Queensland. I've stated it a million times. If he just realised what he was, and and the rare times he did, it was an amazing thing to see um, him in full flight or him using his size. But saw it again last night, running to the line, putting throwing passes. He was seen him put kicks in on the third tackle this year against the Tigers when he had Luke Brooks one-on-one. -on -one. Um 
dead set, you just want to hit him with a Mack truck and watch the truck explode and then hop out of the ruins bleeding half dead and just look at him and say, don't you realise how big you are? <laughs> exactly. He just, yeah. yeah, the penny hasn't dropped and he come out today and I read the quote, it said it's more open style which suits me, so... That tells me that he's going to be throwing gut-out passes and putting kicks in <laughs> yeah. left, right and centre with Todd Carney. Oh, let's, let's face it, he's got the IQ of a cabbage and, you know, like, good luck to him over in the Catalans, but I don't think it'll be any good for well, anyone. i tell you what, I, lo- I don't mind watching the Catalans, but if it's him, Todd Carney and that S-car, that's going to be one loose football team. <laughs> There'll be plenty of points scored. Outstanding. What else you got, champion? All right, mate, from one player who's is over to one who's just beginning at Sharks, Curtis Scott. He's a superb young fullback. I think he was an SG Ball uh, this year. He made a secret trip to Townsville this Monday just to check out uh, what the Cowboys have got an offer. And the Cowboys, they're telling me that uh, they're very confident he'll sign with them. So a good young pickup for the Cowboys. Well, I actually got to commentate him in the SG Ball Grand Final. I called that in the mats. He was playing in the centres, so... Uh, right. When I read the other day, fullback, I don't know if that's his natural position, but he made the Australian schoolboy side as a centre. Um, he's played centres now, like actually for the 20s. He's moved right up. From what I saw on that day, he is a pretty bloody good player. He scored the winning try in that state cup final when they played Townsville as well. Um, and I actually met his manager on that day. He was super confident that he was a player of the future. But, yeah, all the talks come rushing through. And he snotted someone the other day in the 20s. He brought the biff back. He punched up some front row from Newcastle. So, um, Beautiful. Big raps on the kid. But, yeah, for the Cowboys, if they get him, that is a massive cull. Because I tell you what, they're killing the under-20s. They've got a massive crop coming through there right now. They've got one of the best talented youngsters in their fullback, Callan Pongia, the young 17-year-old I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen. Um, if they could steal him, that's a cracker boy. Yeah, good for the game. The Cowboys flying high. Hopefully they get him. They're very confident they will. Yeah, well, I hope they do. But if not, not disappointed if he does stay with the Sharks because they're slowly starting to take a bit of shape. So either way, uh, that's a great signing for either club. Yep. Knights coaching gig, mate. Seems to be at this stage a three-horse race. Uh, Gareth Brennan leading the way, uh, former Panther. Um, Nathan Brown and Jeff Tuvey. Uh, out of those three, mate, who do you reckon will get the gig if you have to put money on it? Mate, uh, looking at things, I, I've obviously gone at Newcastle a few times and I'm pretty happy because I, I, I respect Paul Kent. I think he's got a, a very good football mind and he's dug in and pretty much said exactly what I said a couple of weeks ago. They're too stuck in their own ways. They had Andrew Johns, Danny Bedeiris, and they just haven't moved on. Um, they always go, and we need to do things the Newcastle way. There's Newcastle people in all the main positions. Uh, they're going about their juniors, their players, and it just hasn't worked. They need somebody to come in and do what Brian Smith did. Um, they need to get with the times and join us in 2015. But at those coaches, to be honest, um, Nathan Brown, this is his second time around. I wouldn't take the job. That's just me. I don't think it's feasible at the moment. I think it's a poison chalice, and I don't think if I'm Nathan Brown, I'm going to get enough time um, to flip the roster. It's a pretty weak roster next year. Um, you got Hodkinson coming, but that's not enough for me. And you need, you need to make some significant changes. Jeff Tuvey, that's all well and good again, but same for him. I think that might be a, a pretty quick exit on that side of things. But Garth Brennan, I think he was a coach at West, and, and they're, they're in a pretty good position, I think, maybe to get involved in the ownership side of things. So if, if West Group got involved, it wouldn't surprise me if Garth Brennan got the gig. But if I was the other two, I'd be steering clear at Newcastle. Hey, Garth comes uh, with a few raps too, so... I don't know. Yeah, definitely change the culture. Yeah, well, I'm with you. And obviously, uh, Gus has been pushing his bandwagon the last 24 to 48 hours on Twitter. 
Um, I know it's ridiculous and a lot of people probably don't buy into it, but the Walker brothers are seriously interested. The situation they're in right now, I don't, I don't really, wouldn't even think that's a bad, bad move because the system may suit some of the players they've got there. But I highly doubt anyone's ever going to let them bring that system to the NRL. But um, you know, Nathan Brown, second time around, I think that's a poison cup. Jeff Tuvey, uh, even him, I don't think he'd jump straight back into that job looking at what it is. So um, it might be Garth Brennan's for the taking, and they stick with the Newcastle way as they always seem to want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm sure we'll. We'll find out something soon. Mm-hmm. Um, still on the nights, mate. Um, halfback Tyrone Roberts, look, he, he looks like he's off to uh, UK Super League, which upsets me a little. Uh, looks like Bradford Bulls are going to get his signature. If we lose another one to UK Super League, I'm, I'm not fast if it's a player who's at the end of his career and has shown nothing like a, like a Dave Taylor, but yeah. I still think Tyrone Roberts has got something to offer for the NRL. So I thought he would have been a good pick-up, Tyrone, for... for a lesser club, but um, looks like he's he's off to the UK. Mate, this is starting to become an alarming trend again. Not on the in our top end, but our depth and um, our young kids. There's, there's too many young kids, like an Albert Kelly who's over there. There's blokes like that that shouldn't be gone so soon. Um, they're going there to make a decent living. They get to travel, but that's one reason. With this TV deal getting done, do I think they should take? the deal so early maybe not but if they push the money my big thing is they need to raise the minimum wage um, in particular for full time squad players and guys that aren't part of the top 25 because for this exact reason that's why we lose such good depth and that's the reason I don't think we can expand um, yeah and, and as well we're talking about halves and halves can yeah. demand a hell of a lot of money so um, he'll get a, lot, a, lot, a hell of a lot from the Bradford. And that's um, exactly right. And, and they might get promoted again. They're in the battle for the Super 8. So if they go back up, he's going to the Super League, he'd get even more money. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this this is a real pet hate now. There's starting to be a lot of a lot of young blokes leaving way too early. Like Jacob Miller's over there right now. Josh Drinkwater went for a bit now. He's back. Um, Kenny Seo. There's a lot of guys, Albert Kelly and that kind of younger bracket. They shouldn't be in the Super League just yet. We need to do more... Um, if we do get this next TV deal to ensure that kids that are full-time don't have to struggle to the point where they go, you know what, I'm going to have to go to the UK if I'm going to keep playing footy. Yeah, yeah. All right, Martin, I'm to Parramatta. Look, they've expressed interest in Dragons prop Rory O'Brien. Um, they've also re-signed centre uh, Ryan Morgan as well to a two-year extension. But uh, your thoughts on Rory O'Brien, mate? Bit of a late bloomer. I think he's about 26 or 27, so... Yeah, uh, from what I've seen in first grade, to be honest, I'm, I'm not a massive fan. Um, they, they seem to have been like this a bit the last couple of years, just like a lot of bit players. You know, they pick up Takarangi, they keep Morgan, they got Cody Nelson. There's just a heap of kind of fringe players or top 25 players they seem to have built up. So uh, that's all well and good. But um, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of see him in cup and he plays well. But when he's been up in grade, I don't think he's got the minutes. I don't think the short and interchange is going to suit him either. So... Uh, oh, yeah, this is a little bit confusing for mine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, mate, last one of the night, and that's uh, the Titans. Looks like they're going to get a, a broom through the place as well. Um, anywhere up to 14 players apparently have been told that they're no longer wanted. Uh, there's a few on the list here that I've been told about, and that's uh, Hooker, Bo Fallon, Fi-Fi Lower, Kevin Gordon, Daniel Mortimer, Matt Schramer, and back rower Ben Ridge. So few, I guess, big-name players, you could say, uh, from the from the Titans have been told to move on, but uh, a clean-out, is it, is it on order there, mate? 100%, and uh, I think I've said this to someone yesterday who goes, how are they going to compete? Well, Neil Henry is already shown, and he's been in the, long enough, uh, the NRL long enough 
to know that he's not going to pay overs for someone. He's not inexperienced. So the biggest thing for him is he's going to have to sell what they're doing next year to make sure they get talent there because they're not going to pay overs. Uh, they've already made that abundantly clear. But, um, you know, Dave Taylor moving on, uh, the Cherry Evans thing falling over, punting some of these guys that are clearly not up to standard and obviously doesn't want part of his top 25. They're going to have some serious money to play with next year, the Titans. Yeah, that's what they need. Uh, I, I, yeah, full credit to him. It's not his first radio either, as you said. He's uh, he's not silly. No, nah, like he's made that abundantly clear. When the Hodkinson's manager wanted seven hundred, they go, "We're not paying. This is what he's worth. We're not paying overs. If we can get somebody for what we know they're worth, all good." Um, but he's not going to put them in a dire straits. So he's going to rebuild. Um, he's really going to have to sell the vision, which is the hardest part. But I tell you what, with the kind of money they got next year, and I haven't had a look at the open market, but I'm sure uh, we're going to see a couple of names that are probably willing to go join the cause. But I think the biggest thing for next year for them right now is getting somebody next to Kane LG. You see how important last night's Caesar is for that side with LG and how good they could have been together. But unfortunately, the Cherry Evans situation deprived them of any opportunity that they ever had to try and keep uh, Aiden Caesar. So it's, it's a big blow. But um, Ashley Taylor, I've been hearing them or Manly. It just seems to go back and forth. I'm, I'm not sure who's winning that battle, but... If not, they were after Sam Williams, apparently, and Don Furness said they're not letting him go again. So um, it, it's a very, very slim market for halves. Yeah, absolutely. Outstanding champion. Well, if that wraps us up there, uh, last week in the tips, we both tipped identical, so we got six apiece. So you're now on 90. I'm on 93. We do our tips every week with the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com, formerly known as SportingBet.com. So if you had an account with them, it still exists with William Hill. So get on the website, download the app, williamhill.com. It's your call. But we jump in right here for round 22. Friday night, mate, Suncorp Stadium, the Brisbane Broncos versus the Doggies. The Broncos won nine of their last ten uh, until they got that shellacking from Manly. The Doggies, it's, it's all on the line now, sitting on 22 points. That was a brutal loss and a pretty critical one after a massive fight back. Against the Chooks, how do you see this one going? It's going to be a hard one to pick. Um, both coming off a loss. Uh, the Bulldogs, geez, they really need to win this to get some sort of momentum there. They're not playing well, um, but geez, if, if you're going to turn it around, you might as well do it against the competition leaders. But um, I think Brisbane will be hurting after that shellacking against Manly up in Gosford. So I'm going to go with Manly, but uh, I think it'll be a close one. You're going with Manly? <laughs> You got yeah. <laughs> oh, good and good. <laughs> Beautiful. So you're going with uh, the Broncos or the Dogs? Yeah, Broncos, mate. Broncos. This one really tore me, and I think I'm with you Friday night back at home. I think they'll be hurting, but the Bulldogs are in a really dire spot. Uh, I really don't want to, but I, I'm I'm going to try and back the Bulldogs in this way. I, I saw enough last week, but again, they go away from their identity. Whenever they're rolling forward, and things are going good, and they've got their, their glut of possession. They look dangerous, but when they start making stupid errors and the forwards start pretending they're all halfbacks again, it just all falls apart. So if they can just stick to what they do best and really bash the middle of the field, I think they might be able to put up a fight against the Broncos. I think more slaps. Yeah, 100%. I want to see some face slapping again. That was brilliant. Bring, bring back the face slap. <laughs> just like the old Magpies days. It was reminiscent. Yeah. Uh, or Nathan Brown. Oh, him, how about if Trent Barrett's got a gig next year and Nathan Brown gets a gig and they play each other? They won't oh. shake hands before the game. They can have a slap off. 
Yeah, all right. the coin toss. Yeah. The coin toss, have a slap off. Okay, look, we'll flip a coin to see who throws the first one. Whoever hits the deck first or submits, that's who gets to kick <laughs> off, all right? That's oh, that'll deep. be beauty. Oh, beautiful. Well, William Hill, they've got the Broncos, $1.45 favourites. The Bulldogs, they're $2.80. Outsiders, minus 6.5 is the line. Uh, the Bulldogs, 12.5 start, $1.50. I'm going to be taking me a piece of that one. So, um, good multi-value there from WilliamHill.com. The second Friday night game is the Brookvale battle. It's Manly versus South. Their season's on the line. South's not all that impressive last week. Um, I still believe they've got a good side. I don't know if they're a premiership threat, but that Manly was the Manly that I predicted to make the top four. Uh, but they firebombed themselves, essentially, the club. Um, everyone's pointing the finger at Jeff too, but I think the club gave them no chance from the start. The contract talks, all the issues, and now you see with no problems how good a side they are. Uh, I'm going to back Manly at Brookvale. Yeah, I'm going to back Manly from uh, back Manly at Brookvale as well. Um, South they weren't very impressive against Penrith either. Penrith were sort of a snap together side, um, and they really haven't shown much form at all uh, in recent weeks. The Bunny, so I'm going Manly. They got some momentum and a rookie. How could you not tip? Go Manly, fantastic. Go Manly, ah mate, we've got Pickems here with WilliamHill.com. It's a dollar ninety-one a piece. They can't split them. One to twelve, both are three dollars fifty. Thirteen plus, highly doubtful, but they're both three dollars eighty. A dollar twenty-five, the twelve and a half start. Uh, I like Manly again, multi-value dollar twenty-five. That's solid, right there from William Hill. But Saturday, Westpac Stadium in Wellington, brr, the Warriors taking the game over there against the Dragons, who have a pretty good record um, in New Zealand. Connie Hurrell's dropped out of the side again. Lola here, I thought was pretty good last week. Um, I look, I look at this one. And I want to back the Warriors, but I'm not 100% sure. I keep looking at the Dragons, and I, I saw the halves last week, and I was quite impressed in their good record. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the Warriors. Yeah, I can't tip the Warriors with no Sean Johnson. So I'm going to go to the Dragons. Coming off a win to the Dragons. And they're another team that needs to start getting some momentum coming into the semifinals. Um, yeah, give me the Dragons. Yeah, I don't blame you. I highly regret not tipping them, and I already do. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to hang in there. I I, I didn't I I, oh, I hung in last week, and I couldn't believe it. Actually, no, I don't even know if I did. I've got our tips here from last week. I think we both tipped the sharks. Yeah, we did. We yeah, we both sharks, did tip yeah. the sharks. We both got the Broncos and the Storm wrong. What am I talking about? Yeah, um, yeah, that was a massive win. I, I think I'm going to regret this. But the bookies, William Hill, they can't split them either. Again, it's Pickham's a dollar ninety one, three dollars fifty a piece for one to twelve. Three dollars eighty for thirteen plus, and good multi-value again with the twelve and a half start. I can't see this being a blowout. I think it'll be a, a very tight contest. But we go to Ramondas, the prison, a cracker game, probably the one I'm most looking forward to. The Sharks, seven of their last eight after starting the year in last place and being fourteenth after twelve rounds, um, they've battled their way now to within one win of the top four. The Cowboys, they're red hot. They come back again last weekend against a decent attacking Canberra side. Found their way in the second half on a bit of a hot streak led by JT. Uh, I'm, I'm going to back the Cowboys, but Christ Almighty, again, this is one where I look at the Sharks at Ramondas and I can feel upset. It's, it's got it written all over it. Yeah, I, 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 we'll get a, a good gauge on both teams here. We'll see, we'll see whether the Sharks are the real deal and we'll see whether the Cowboys are uh, the real deal as well. Yes, I know they're at the, uh, almost at the top of the competition, but it's getting to close to September now, and they need to start winning in Sydney, which they haven't done previously. So I think a big game for both teams. I'm going to go to the Cowboys uh, with not a lot of confidence because uh, the Sharks at Ramondas, as you said, they're, they're very hard to beat, but we'll get a very, very good gauge on both sides, I think. 
Well, the Cowboys this year have got the best away record, which is the reason why they're finally sitting up top. They've only lost once away, but if you want a real big test away from home, the prison at Ramondas, that that's the kind yeah. of place to be going. And with the way the Sharks are playing right now, um, Josh Papali teed up on Thurston, fair and square on the weekend. I'll tell you what, he's going to find some treatment this weekend. So, real test. Yeah, win- for- you get- yeah, winning in, winning in, in, in Sydney in August and September is what counts for the Cowboys. Yeah, 100%. So, they need to keep the strong form heading into the finals. But the odds, $2.30. The Sharks, some uh, decent outside value there if you like them at home. The Cowboys, $1.62. Minus 3.5 is the start there. Uh, I, I like the again the multi value the twelve and a half start on the Sharkies a dollar thirty five. If I had to pick one here, if the Sharks are going to win one to twelve, three dollars ninety five from William Hill. If you think the Cowboys can get the win one to twelve, three dollars fifteen. And the last game on Saturday, we head over to Darwin. It's going to be nice and warm over there. TIO Stadium, the Parramatta Eels versus the Penrith Panthers. Corey Norman back this week. Uh, that, that's a pretty big in uh, for Parramatta. Penrith, Robert Jennings obviously goes out. He tore that hamstring. Latu holds his place on the bench. Louis Brown's pushed out of the centres and Cartwright in the back row. But from a Panther fan's perspective, mate, can you back your mob over there or will Panamata um, lift this week with Corey Norman and will hop Wade back? Yeah, it's probably uh, the last game <laughs> we'll win this year, to be honest. Yeah. Um, although I think we got the Knights in the last round as well. So, um, look, I'm going to tip the Panthers only because the Eels have got that... Uh, terrible injury record as the Panthers do, but I think the Panthers, they've got a little bit more X-factor with uh, Seguiaro and uh, Bryce Cartwright uh, playing well as uh, also, so I'm going to go to the Pennies this week. I'm big on them having Norman back for what I saw last night, and then heading to a very hot place like Darwin. I think Penel for handled the conditions much better than the big boppers in the para pack. Um, Seguiaro looked healthy finally last week. I thought John was solid without being outstanding, but you know, that, that's much better um, than what you could get from most clubs with a backup. Not many people have an international as a backup half. So expecting things to look a bit better this week. And Bryce Cartwright starting. I reckon he'll have an absolute bone stormer out there. Um, if you're a fantasy buff, I think this week is a good week to put Bryce Cartwright in your team. I think he might rack up a bit of a score. So I'm on the Panthers yeah. as well. They are favourites. $1.65 with William Hill. The Eels, $2.25. Minus 3.5 is the line. Uh, one to twelve, I think again it might be the market here. If you like Para, three dollars ninety-five, three dollars fifteen about the Panthers. If you like Parramatta, multi-value twelve and a half start, you get a dollar thirty-five. Sunday, Melbourne versus the Titans. I love watching this game usually with Brock because it goes in my favour, but he's running the city to surf, so unfortunately I won't get to sit there with him and hopefully give him some stick. He'll be too busy sweating his backside off and working. Why? <laughs> I'm sitting at home probably with my finger in my belly button, drinking a beer, watching the football. Uh, <laughs> <but> this, <laughs> this one's not rocket science for me. Uh, they were very good the other night, but going to Melbourne and how filthy Craig Bellamy was, we're in finals contention there. Not, I'm sure they're going to put a fight up, but I still see Melbourne getting the win. Yeah, I think Melbourne, you, you don't see them lose two in a row often, especially uh, coming off a fairly, fairly big loss as well against the Tigers last week at Leichhardt. So, yeah, I'd go Melbourne in 12 plus. Huge favourites. They're $1.15. The Titans, $5.50. I was not expecting that. As the song says, the Jamie Lawson one, I wasn't expecting that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's mind-blowing. But who knows? Melbourne could absolutely explode. Um, if Caesar plays anything like he did and their forwards can hold up, they might push us right to the brink. But a huge line from William Hill, minus 15 and a half. One to twelve, you think the Titans can get the upset? Three dollars twenty-five. Um, 
What are we looking at here? Wow, I can't believe that. 13 plus for Melbourne, you like $1.65. Massive 12.5 start value for the Titans, $2.10. Uh, wow, we. Sunday again, Hunter Stadium, Newcastle showed some improvement last week, but they've got to play the Roosters this week. They're a powerhouse, they're dominant, but they tend to switch off in these kind of games. So this could be a bit of a struggle purely on the, the case of them not wanting to play for 80 minutes, but uh, I'm definitely going to back the Roosters. They're just a powerhouse side. Yeah, definitely going to back the Roosters, but we saw a few weeks ago when they played the Titans up at Gosford that they, they fumbled around a bit. So you're right, they do struggle against the, sort of the lower-ranked teams. But, um, yeah, look, the Knights played good last week. They put 40 minutes together anyway and let it half-time for memory. So uh, look for it to be close, I guess, for 60, but uh, I think the Roosters will then blow them away. Yeah, I really hope Robinson puts an emphasis this week on being ruthless regardless of the situation and the side they're playing. They tend to play with their food uh, a little bit too often and not just eat the Roosters, but I'd love to see a, a Rhea Hargraves-led war this week where they just absolutely brutalise Newcastle at home. And uh, William Hill, the odds go the same way as the Titans game. $1.15 favourites of the Roosters. $5.15 about Newcastle. Minus 15.5 is the line. It's a huge line at that. So $1.65, 13 plus on the Roosters. Or if you think they're going to struggle 1-12, to $3.25. The Knights for the upset at 1-12, to $7.12.5 start. Good value again, $2.10. But um, if the Roosters are serious, they should really step it up this week and send a message to the rest of the comp with a brutal performance, particularly, as I said, led through the forward pack. And, um, yeah, have to back the Chookies there. But Monday night finishes us off. GIO Stadium, plenty of points here, hopefully. The Canberra Raiders versus the Tigers. Soliola uh, and Hodgson, two buys from the Super League. They've been absolutely outstanding. Soliola disappointingly had to drive himself 24 hours back down here. He's out for the season. Hodgson, one to two weeks. That's a big loss, but um, I've told you before, and I'll say it again, watch for Mitch Barnett finally on debut this week. If there's anyone who's worked hard this year and their form warrants it, it's this crazy back rower. Um, This kid is outstanding. He runs great lines. He's aggressive. He's got a bit of old school about him, so I hope he explodes this week. I hope he at least gets 20, 30 minutes out there. Um, But the Tigers, yeah, they were really good against Melbourne on Friday. I'm going to stick with the Raiders regardless, just knowing that they're, they're still in the finals hunt. If they're serious, this is it. This is their grand final. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Raiders as well, mate. If, if there's one team that I really love watching, and that's the Raiders. They are very entertaining. Um, but yeah, Tigers, geez, they had a good win last Friday. I don't think many t- people uh, tipped them unless you're a diehard Tigers fan. But um, I think a lot of points have been scored in this game. Um, but I think uh, the, the Raiders just outclass them and go the Raiders. Yeah, I'd really like to think with the run they've got home, it's not always easy playing the sides on you because they've got nothing to lose, but um, I, I think the Raiders really should be in the eight. I want to see them in the eight, but it's time to step up right now. Solio and Hodgson, big losses, and the Tigers really got some confidence, so I'm expecting a point-scoring fest like you. But William Hill have got the Raiders. a dollar fifty favourites, $2.60 are the Tigers. Minus five and a half is the line on this game. Uh, I probably like the one to twelve market again. If you like the Raiders, three dollars ten. If you like the Tigers, four dollars ten. If you like the Tigers, a bit of multi value again with a twelve and a half start, a dollar forty two. So that wraps us up right there. All those odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. It's your call. Get on the website, download the app. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, it's with William Hill. Gossip. Good to have you back, champion. You've appeased the punters. They might calm down now. 
Um, the effigies they were burning of you last week, they've all been put down, I think. Everyone's sitting around the table holding hands, praying, having their glass of milk, <laughs> saying their prayers and having their vitamins. So all is well in the world. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, a juicy round of football to come. Can't wait. No worries, champion. Enjoy your week. Hopefully the Pennies get a win uh, against Para, the Battle of the West, and hopefully my mob towers up Brock's on his birthday weekend, the old bugger. He turns 29. Oh, wow, we should have sung him happy birthday. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but he's not here. He's Godskis. Uh, Oh, maybe next week. <laughs> maybe next week. We'll have to reunite as a as a three pair here. There's, it hasn't happened. Yeah, no, maybe for the for a grand final edition or something, perhaps. On these uh, final on the final run home, as we get close, we might have to crank out a Monday night or something that works for everybody, just so we get all three yep. of us back together. Yeah, count me in. Sounds great. Good stuff, champion. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thank you. As always, a big thanks to Mr. Gossip. Catch up with him on Facebook. NRL Gossip into the search bar or any of the links on our page and on Twitter. His handle, at NRL Gossip. And the odds there, again, brought to you by WilliamHill.com. It's your call. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, do it with William Hill. Um, and uh, with the charity bets doing very well, we've got another win on the weekend. That account's pushed over the $1,500 mark, thanks to William Hill. So um, some very... Very decent coin going to a worthy cause in the New South Wales and ACT Guide Dogs Association. Uh, a very good cause. So if you want to donate to them or any of our previous charities we've donated to, thanks to WilliamHill.com in Starlight Foundation, obviously helping sick children, and the Shepherd Centre, help giving deaf children a voice. We'll look at our charity bets this week. Haven't quite looked yet, but hopefully another win for that account. And for the Guide Dogs Association and for our free bets, your chance to win a $100 free bet from WilliamHill.com. Keep your eyes peeled for our pick-to-score competitions. But that wraps us up. We've done everything we need to do. You've got the Fast Five. We've done the reviews of the games. A huge fan forum. This is a monster podcast. Just over two hours on the run into the final. So for everyone out there who, who always asking for extra content and a bit more, you've got a bit of bonus this week. It's an absolute beast of a podcast. And it'll be up on audioboom.com, our fabulous hosts. As always, um, everyone's pretty much switched over by now, but we're not the only ones on Audioboom. There's brilliant sporting content, uh, BBC, worldwide kind of stuff, lots of sport, Premier League, etc., and all, all the decent radio stations, Triple M's content, Today FM, and all those things. So um, audioboom.com, make sure you get on there, look at some of the content. There's some fantastic podcasts, and they're only growing in Australia, but to wrap things up, our last sponsor, the NRL Profits. If you are tired of constantly losing money to the bookies, it's time you join the Profits. They can help you out as far as betting goes with the rugby league, including the NRL and the Super League. They had over 70 units of profit in season 2014, and they have a special offer to all our listeners of the fifth and last. It's a 10% discount of all the access all profits packages. So visit nrlprofits.com forward slash fifth and last. To take advantage with the profits and profit with the NRL profits. Wrapping things up, a happy birthday to my fellow host of the fifth and last podcast, my brother, my best friend, Brock, 29 years old. Um, He's an absolutely outstanding human being. He's the busiest bloke I know. He's a teacher. He's at Panthers. He does a heap of extras. Always giving, giving, giving. Loves his rugby league. (laughs) <laughs> As some of you said, some weeks he's not the happiest man on earth, but he works himself to a standstill. He loves football. We love doing this show for you guys for free. And of all things, he's going to be spending his birthday this Saturday with me commentating the New South Wales Cup. So if you want to tune into that, go to www.radiohub.com. 
Dot.com.au. There's a player on the website, and it'll say, at a game this weekend, I'll be lead calling with Brock. Uh, my sidekick there will be doing the Tigers versus the Newtown Jets. So if you want to hear us commentate that one, feel free to tune in. Every week I've been doing that with Curtis Woodward from the 81st minute. So if you want to hit him up at Twitter, it's at the 81st minute. And Matty French, who also has a podcast for Group Rugby League, uh, Group 6 out there, Country Rugby League, MacArthur Rugby League. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, get on board. He's at Fol24, F-O-A-L, on Twitter. But we call with them, thanks to RadioHub.com and Albie Tallarico on the boys with the Steel Sports team. Um, so a massive thanks to them. I've really had a good time this year commentating on the New South Wales Cup along with Curtis and Frenchie. So tune in every week to RadioHub.com to hear us. But this weekend in particular, me and Brock calling the Tigers versus the Jets. Enjoy this ginormous podcast. It's an absolute beast. Thanks to William Hill. Thanks to all you guys. We absolutely love you. And enjoy your week. Enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.